Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily with Andrew Hustler-Patterson and Michael Remus. Hey gang, what's up? Hope you had a great weekend and what a weekend it was for sports fans. An amazing four games in the National Football League. And it's double victory Monday on Winnipeg Sports Talk as the Jets got back in the win column Saturday night in Ottawa. Got another big two points to last night in Philadelphia against the Flyers to even their record to two and two on this road trip. Now in Nashville, getting ready for the Predators in a big Central Division matchup tomorrow. And we will go to Nashville a little later on. Jeff Hamilton is in Music City and will join us. He's been on the road with the team on the entire trip. We'll talk about it so far, get his thoughts on what he saw in the wins over Ottawa and Philadelphia and look ahead to tomorrow's big matchup as the Jets try to salvage three of five wins after a tough start last week in Montreal and Toronto. We'll also hit the big news out of the National Hockey League this weekend, which was the end of the Boost Boudreaux era, the hiring of Rick Tockett in one of the most ugliest and mismanaged mismanaged exits of a coach anyone can remember. Um, and we'll also talk about it with Dave Poulin and get Dave's thoughts on the Winnipeg Jets run out east on this five-game road trip. So uh, buckle up. Should be a great one. Welcome to everybody in chat with us live on YouTube. If you haven't already, make sure to hit that red subscribe button and uh, shout out to all the podcast listeners. Thanks for making us a part of your day. Make sure to check out our YouTube channel when you have the opportunity and subscribe there as well. Just before we bring Michael Remus in, Big thanks to the sponsors that make this show happen each and every day, including Cool Bet Canada, Princess Auto, Little Brown Jug, Canadian Club, Culligan Water, Vita Health Fresh Market, Wallace & Wallace, Consolidated Supply, F Apparel, Manitoba Battery, the Nick & Nicky DQ Group, Boston Pizza, Royal Sports, and of course the Why Not Question of the Day brought to you by our friends over at Not Auto Corp. Let's get Remus in here and get this thing going. What's going on? How was your weekend? Oh, yeah. What a weekend. Back-to-back Jets, back-to-back NFL. We had the rare Saturday where the Jets, Moose, and Ice all won. And, yeah, we had Moose games, uh, too, the Moose playing Texas. What a great weather, Hustler. Another weekend, so I hope people got out on the river trail. But, yeah, I'm feeling... It was crazy out there, I can tell you. It was packed all weekend long and um, hey that's great people making the most because uh, we know at some point it's probably going to get real cold it might not be as nice to go outside but it has been lately that being said if we were ever going to have a weekend where it was minus 30 I would have taken this one because let's face it many of us were uh, spending a lot of time indoors watching all that football and all that hockey on that as I said all weekend long I was looking for all week long remote my favorite football weekend of the year with the best eight teams, two playoff games Saturday and Sunday, and it was made even better by a doubleheader of Jets action in the evening on both nights. Yeah, I, I agree. It was great. Um, you know, I had uh, with two tablets going. You got the TV, a lot of action on. So following all, all the football and the Jets and uh, around the NHL. So, you know, get you get outside in the morning. Hustler was nice at the NFL to start their games at, what, like three? And so you you get what you need to do in the morning, and then you can relax in front of the TV. 
and watch yeah. uh, pretty much yeah. all night. Three thirty on Saturday, Mahomes and the Chiefs survive the Jags. The uh, the Kansas City prayer circles for Mahomes' yeah. ankle are uh, fully fully underway right now. I just want to add in. Do you think it's funny how um, Zach Carlos and Patrick Mahomes kind of have the same ankle injury heading into uh, their league championship games? You see any any similarities there with what you just went through? Like, does your experience dealing with Calaris's ankle <laughs> prepare yes. you for Mahomes? <laughs> Excuse me, it has, and you're not the first person that has pointed I'm that not? out. I'm uh, not? Unfortunately, unfortunately, we know how things ended for the Bombers, and listen, we can't think about any sort of championship game yet before the AFC championship game gets going. Um, I was wondering, it, it, was, it was a bizarre scenario, because as I told you, I think, and put out on Twitter, I was able to get tickets to the neutral site game in Atlanta, um, but obviously we didn't know whether that was going to be happening because of this Bills-Bengals game that happened yesterday in Orchard Park. Um, so, yeah, there's going to be no no neutral site game. I will not be doing streeters with people in Atlanta asking them for their best Thrasher's memory um, because it's going to be at Arrowhead on the weekend. And, uh, uh, listen, Joe Burrow is a problem. Any Chiefs fan knows that already for what he's done to uh, to the Chiefs in the past. And man, did they look good yesterday beating the Buffalo Bills. Just a thorough beatdown, basically, from the first opening series right until the end. And I'll say this, and we'll talk about this more a little bit later on, Remo, but Burrow um, could not wait to drop the you better get those refunds line in his postgame interview yesterday after dispatching of the Bills. Yeah, the Bills were salty. Uh, before we get into the Jets, the Bills were salty that they started selling tickets to the neutral site game. I don't know if anyone told them, Huss. They always sell tickets to uh, yeah. possible. I think the Jets, you could buy tickets to the Stanley Cup final if you wanted, right? They make the ba- you bet. The Bengals, the Bengals were also selling tickets to a champ- uh, conference final game yeah. in Cincinnati in case the Jacksonville Jaguars won and the Bengals won as well. But hey, sometimes you got to manufacture this stuff. And I will say this, through all of that, I did think the Bengals sort of got the raw deal of all of that, especially when you consider how they looked in that game. They were up 7-3. They had the football. um, And then when all the dust settled, they had the potential of having to determine the division on a coin flip. So um, listen, I think we've got the best two teams on both sides of the bracket playing in the championship games. And uh, as I said, it'll be a fun week to get ready for them. And uh, whoever of the Bengals, Chiefs, Niners, or Eagles ends up playing in the Super Bowl will have an incredible matchup and very interesting odds already up for the Super Bowl futures as well as the games for the upcoming weekend. And we'll talk about that a little later on when we hit the cool bet lines. But let's get right to it, Remo. I mean, we'll talk about the other big stories around the league and what happened in Vancouver in a minute. Um, But this was exactly what the Winnipeg Jets needed to do after a terrible game in Montreal and a tough loss in Toronto where they certainly did play a a lot better. Um, Man, they look good on Saturday night against the Ottawa Senators. And as we'll talk about with Dave Poulin a little later on, they managed to find a way to get the job done last night after a brilliant start, but a pushback from Philly that made this game very tight in the third period. Yeah, got up to a 3 nothing start. I thought they were going to walk all over them, and they had a lot of chances. Uh, the Flyers goalie definitely stepped up in the second period there. Um but I don't know. They're they're both on back to back, so I don't really want to blame 
fatigue or anything, but that's just the way the game went. Philly went and tied it up at the Jets. Um, you know, with their balanced attack, Hustler getting a goal from every line yes. yesterday. Um, Carson Kuhlman hadn't scored for the Jets yet on a goalie. His only goal as a Jet was the empty netter. Takes the puck to the net, and I don't know if he shot it or not, but it went in. He did not I, shoot it. He did well, not shoot were, it. Yeah, we were talking before the show. We said, you were like, good things happen. I don't mean to take your life, but good things happen when you take the puck to the net. And, hey, that's what happened. He's a big guy. Nice to see him get rewarded. He's had a lot of chances, especially when he's playing with Mark Shifley. Got rewarded, and they were able to lock it down. And shout out to Big Save Dave with the big save there in the final minute. Um, you know, he, he's come in, and he's done his job, uh, Dave Ritt. And there was a lot of talk before the season, like, oh, this guy, not that good. And basically the same thing that went with Eric Comrie. Uh, the same thing that went with Brossois, where they come in, you're kind of like, who is this guy? You know, he just came off a... 886 save percentage season. Here he is with the Jets and 12 games. He's got 262 goals against 908 save percentage. Um, pretty solid numbers, and and he's won more than he's lost. So shout out to Big Save Dave, who's he's done pretty well here. Eight and four here uh with the Jets. Yeah. Well, and listen, I mean, I understood some questions going into the year. You lose a guy that was as good as Comrie was for the Jets last season, and you replace him with the guy that, while having a lot of experience, was coming off a rough year. There were some question marks, and it started horribly. I mean, the first period in Vegas was a nightmare beginning for David Riddich. But, man, after that first period and the four goals going past him, with the exception of the beginning of the Vancouver game at home that Dave played in, he's been really, really good, and he ended up winning that Vancouver game as well. So um, it, it made no sense to me, and I think we sort of called out a few people that were assuming a guaranteed loss when Dave went in against Pittsburgh last week. Um, that was one of the Jets' best games of the entire season. And as David said, uh, his wife probably would have gotten a win in that uh, in the way the way the team played in front of him. Um, but listen, there were some big saves last night that needed to be made. A couple of goals he really didn't have much opportunity on. Um, but when the game was on the line late, there was the guy, where was Dave, making a big save. And um Listen, he has been he has been great so far this season. Exactly what you want from a guy coming in at basically league minimum money and not getting a ton of starts when you got a guy like Connor Hellebuck that's been running the way he is. Now Hellebuck, of course, will be back for a big game tomorrow in Nashville. We'll talk about that with Hammer coming up. Uh, Rima, you mentioned the five-on-five scoring and contributions from all four lines, and you know we'll get into some milestones. Some brilliant goals by the guys up in the top six. But I got to give credit where credit is due right off the bat to the fourth line. I thought the Stenlin line last night was absolutely awesome. Uh, they controlled play pretty much whenever they were on the ice. And what a weekend for Axel Janssen Fialbi. Uh, you know, that pass that he made to set up Mark Shifley against the Ottawa Senators on, on Saturday night was absolutely perfect, um, you know, got in again. He's been getting a little bit more uh, involved offensively. And then just a huge, painful block late in the game last night that helped the Jets hold on to that 4-3 lead at the time after the Kuhlman goal. Um, he, Stenlin, Menelainen, I thought all had monster weekends and uh, were a big, big part, especially of that win last night in Philly. Yeah, the one, you know, you look at the ice time distribution, in last night's game, uh, and I'll bring it up here. Um, the lowest 
forward ice time, eight forty two, and that's Axel. And he was he had to leave the game because he's he's injured. Uh, and people are asking if there's updates. We haven't really seen uh, seen anything. But I mean, Ehlers, what Ehlers fourteen forty five, Menelainen eleven minutes, uh, Stanlin thirteen twelve, and Clean. He's got some PK time in there. It's amazing how even this ice time uh, distribution is yesterday, and that's something we never really saw. Where the fourth line would pretty much be capped at like, you know, you maybe get max eight minutes, and on a back to back here, uh, Bones, you know. Saying, hey, we're all in this together and giving everyone even ice time. Each line scored. Um, loved the Perfetti pass to Kyle Connor. Oh, oh. my God. Uh, like, that could not have been more on a tee for, for a Connor. That was for his uh, 24th of the season. Uh, 400 career points over the weekend for Kyle Connor. And we haven't really talked, you haven't even mentioned Nikolai Ehlers. Um, him, Schaefer, and we are each at a three point night on Saturday. Uh, followed it up with a goal yesterday. Um, Ehlers has. Since, uh, well, he's, I don't want to say since coming back, but in his entire year, I mean, he's got 17 points in 12 games. All this guy is doing is putting up points. Uh, I mean, all around, I think you ought to be happy. Uh, great. You know, you've, you kind of thought they would bounce back after the loss in Toronto. You like the way they played much better than Montreal. And, you know, with two opponents, uh, Ottawa and Philly, you know, they were ready to get two wins and they went out and got them. And look, you can only win who's against you, but you're going and w- beating those crappy teams like St. Louis. Who's trying to get into playoffs, but they lost to Chicago in on the weekend. You can't lose games to the no. Chicago's and these crappy teams. Uh, no offense to them, but we we can all read the standings. So uh, shout out to the Jets for winning the games they're supposed to win, and I feel like they've done that all year, except for maybe Tuesday uh, on Montreal against Montreal. Yeah, well, I, I mean, listen, that was part of the conversation going into this road trip that you know they had some opportunities against some you know. Well, these games this weekend, way ahead of them in the standings. The Montreal game was the, that case as well. But for the most part this year, and part of the reason why the Jets are where they are in the standings right now, is they have been beating the teams below them in the standings so far. And, um, you know, that the game against Montreal was ugly. You're going to have a few of those over the course of the season. The important thing was to not let it fester or turn into a three- or four-game losing streak, and that is exactly what they did. And, yes, you mentioned... Ehlers, Shifley, and Connor Ream. Schwielers is back together. And man, did they look good. And I'll tell you what, I think Cole Perfetti had a nice bump um, playing along with Kyle Connor uh, and Pierre-Luc Dubois. I think it was logical that barring any additions, those were going to be the guys, the six guys in the top six. Cole Perfetti played a little bit at the beginning of this road trip with Adam Lowry. Um, but man, he's back. Both of those line look, lines look deadly at particular times over the course of the weekend, and that's a very good thing when you consider how impactful the third and fourth lines were. Yeah, the, I mean, that uh, Shafley-Wheeler-Ehlers line back together. I mean, Ehlers, he, this guy can fly around the ice and, you know, create open lanes. And you know how, you know, Perfetti's got the vision. Dubois a big body. I really like that line too. So you do have the top six and if you're getting contributions from the bottom guys and Morgan Barron did get some time. He's back with Adam Lowry and, and sack or was a coolman there. Um, so, I mean, they're all, it was, seemed to be all going. You got to be happy. We do. And you have some milestones. We do need to shout out us, uh, Nikolai Ehlers, uh, passing Franz Nielsen, most goals by a Danish player. Uh, pretty, pretty cool accomplishment for him. That was talked about Blake Wheeler. 900 points in his career. And I said last week, 
He's close to 900. Wouldn't it be great to see him get 1,000 uh, in a Jets uniform? It would look weird if he did it in, like, two or three years. I would say, you know, a couple seasons uh, in another uniform. And Kyle Connor, 400, I just mentioned, a 400 uh, career points. What a start for him. So uh, the team's looking looking good, Hessler. Bounce back. And, um, hey, uh, you look at the NHL standings. What are they, like, second in the league in wins now? I was just about to say, there's no better place that they look than right now in the NHL standings. And, you know, Dallas did have a couple wins on the weekend, so those two teams are now still tied at the top of the Central and atop of the Western Conference with 63 points in 48 games. But I'll tell you what, it looks a lot better after those two wins, Remo, and you can see how much of a difference a couple wins make in the standings because it really did seem like Whoa, the Minnesota Wild and the Colorado Avalanche are getting pretty close. Well, the Avalanche have won five in a row. They're still 11 points back of the Jets and Stars, albeit with three games in hand. And now with the Wild losing on the weekend and the Jets winning a couple, they've got that nine-point nine point cushion once again there, although Wild, like Colorado, do have some extra games in. But you named it. 31 wins on the season, the most in the Western Conference and the most in the National Hockey League, with the exception of the juggernaut Boston Bruins, who have won 37 times over the course of this year. And I think it puts them in a great spot going into Nashville tomorrow. I think they certainly can use the day off today and a little bit of rest. Um, But getting that winning feeling back, getting those top lines going, getting contributions from everyone um, this is exactly what we'd hoped we'd be talking about today after a uh, rough couple games to start off the uh, the roadie last week. Yeah, uh, we talked about homecomings last week. We had the Dubois homecoming in Montreal, and that was uh, you know that was spoiled. You know, the, all the guys from Toronto again spoiled. Perfetti, too many people to count. And then we saw on Instagram before the game on uh, Saturday, I had joked. I think I joked on Friday's show that. Hey, I looked at the, you know, the roster. No one's from Ottawa. But then we saw Rick Bonus with his son, Ryan Bonus, who's the assistant GM in Ottawa. I was like, people were tweeting at us, tagging us on Instagram, saying, uh-oh, should we be worried? Is this a homecoming game? But you pointed out, no, no, no. They're actually from, from Halifax. It's not a, yes. not a true homecoming. It's just a traditional father-son rivalry. It was actually really nice seeing on the Jets' Instagram, Rick Bonus with his grandson on the ice. I think he got the grandson. Fam- that was the family bump. You know what? I I think, and I mean, obviously, I don't even have kids, never mind grandkids. Mm -hmm. But I think once you are a grandparent and you don't get to see your grandchildren very often. Yes. There is a bump. There absolutely is a bump. And um, the Jets got the bump. Ottawa didn't get the bump. Let me just say, though, from that game, there were a few moments where I turned to the guys I was watching and going like, what are the Ottawa Senators doing? They looked horrible at times and listen you got to give credit to the winnipeg jets for for making them look that way but man they were so disoriented in their own end at times it was that one kyle connor didn't even score on this chance three guys behind the net none of them able to get the puck and um everyone forgetting about 81 and um Pubus gustafson had to make a big save for ottawa to stay in it but um the jets seemed to get back doing what they've done very well for a good portion of the season. The structure was there, um, and certainly the guys were flying and they were skating, much like they did against the Toronto Maple Leafs, just without maybe the rewards. Um, let's hear what Bones had to say. Oh, he's got time for 
the grandfather Rick bonus with the baby bump, if you will, that we just discussed. Um, <laughs> Remo, if you can, let's talk about, let's get it right to uh, with one and get Bones's um, analysis of the second win in a row last night, second night of back-to-backs with everybody getting a piece of it. Yeah. Um, it, yeah, those three goals came pretty quick and we're... Um, but you know, that's a very proud team over there. And we know Torch was going to get them cranked up again, which he did. And um, yeah, we were kind of hanging on at the end. Um, yeah, we had some great looks in the second period to give us a better lead, but the goalie came up huge for them at the right time. So um, our specialty teams were off tonight. They've won us a lot of games this year, so we're not going to complain about that. It was an off night for both, so it's an off night. But good teams find a way to win, and we found a way to win. Good teams. All right, so there's Rick Bonus. Um, and was speaking about the uh, about the special teams units, and the special teams have been such a big part of the Jets' success for a few games now. Certainly, the penalty kill's been awesome all season long. And yeah, Kevin Hayes did victimize the Jets a couple times with the man advantage, but it was that five on five even strength scoring. And holy smokes, Dreamer! Just before we listen to the rest of um, the, uh, the rest of Bones, you mentioned the beautiful saucer pass from. Cole Perfetti to Kyle Connor after Axel Janssen Fialbi had opened the scoring. The Ehlers Shifley Wheeler goal, the Shifley's goal set up by Wheelers and Ehler. Ehlers? Wheeler and Ehlers will just say part of the Schwielers combination. Um, man, these guys are deadly. And when they get going and are really feeling it and are playing against a team that might not have it completely locked down in their own end. They can make teams look bad, and um, that was an absolutely gorgeous highlight reel tic-tac-toe between the three of them last night. And watching these guys skate around, and I know the Jets didn't score on the power play yesterday, and they did have that five-on-three opportunity. Um, you know, it was a rare night where the, they didn't get any power play goals, and they gave up a few shorthanded. But the way that the power play moves, Hus, they're not standing still waiting for a lane to open up. You see Connor and Morrissey um, rotating up top. Ehlers is moving around. It is uh, so pleasant to watch, uh, even when they didn't score on the power play yesterday. But yeah, that goal, Nikolai Ehlers, I mean, takes it around the net, but finds uh, Wheeler. Uh, I mean, just a, a great, or was it Shif- Wheeler to Shifley in front? Yeah. And I mean, just a... The pass by Wheeler was, uh, I mean, that's how you... Say you get 900 in the National Hockey League, do things like that, play with great players. Um, But, man, Ehlers got it to Wheeler in the slot. And, I mean, just a touch pass to Mark Shifley, who quickly put that in. And Mark Shifley's put – he's 29 goals now in the season, Remo. We're not even at game 50 of the year. Like, 50 goals is not out of the question for Mark Shifley this season. And – you know, and it's so funny to see him still under a point a game with a lopsided goal to assist ratio. Um, Kyle Connor still leading the way points wise with 57, but with only 24 goals. And the Jets are spreading that scoring around. And I mean, what can you say about Josh Morrissey, who just continues to do it night after night uh, with 51 points in 48 games? That being said, it was a big night for Pionk and Dylan last night. They were both plus four. They both had three block shots. Dylan had two assists. Neil Pionk had one assist. And another guy that had a big weekend, Remo, in more in the defensive side of things. But I think 
has really sort of established himself as a guy that probably isn't going to be coming out of the lineup unless there's an injury is Dylan Sandberg on the back end. Yeah, I mean, he goes, he blocks shots, he's got the big shot, he's the big body that they don't have too many of, and he's played uh, pretty well. And, I mean, you look at the defense, has, they're all getting into the scoring act and, like, hitting rear highs, passing last year's totals, like, halfway through the season. Um, he did say, and he was asked about it at the end, like, that's part of their game, getting offense from the defense. He said the D are coming, and it's amazing to see a coach say, okay, we're going to get scoring from our defense. And, look, you've got... Scoring from the defense, including uh, Josh Morrissey, who's second on the team in scoring with 51 and 48. I do also want to mention Cole Perfetti with that assist. He's moving up the ladder for uh, rookie scoring. Uh, he's second, uh, second in points and first in assists. And, you know, we talk a lot about award candidates um, with Morrissey and the Norris, Hellebuck Vesna, Bones Jack Adams. Well, I think Cole Perfetti... Um, you know, I think he's going to get start getting more and more Calder talk as the season goes on, and if he can stay healthy and stay in that, you know, top, you know, points leaders for rookie scoring. And again, he's kind of flown under the radar uh, a little, Huss, and getting, a, I mean, great opportunity when you're playing with Shafley Wheeler, Shafley and uh, you know whoever he plays, Shafley Wheeler, Connor Dubois. He's played all, you yeah. know, with he's played with everyone. Uh, great opportunity to play good players to put up points, and he's he's definitely taking advantage because you know not everyone does take advantage. Uh, and and by the way, he uh, broke his goal-scoring drought with the fifth goal against the Ottawa Senators, and maybe it was the element of not trying to rub it in or acting like you've been there before. The biggest non-selly. He didn't even crack a smile. Yeah. <laughs> it was, um, and again, I'm not sure whether that's a rookie trying to, you know, know his place or whatever, but it's funny hearing Ken talk about that afterwards. He said, no, full full green light for a big celebration if you've gone 14 or 15 without. Adam Lowry's still a little snake bit around the net. Almost broke it, sliding that one just through the um, through the crease. Um, and he's pushing 20 games without a goal right now. But Cole Perfetti, great weekend. Ended that goal-scoring slump and was a big part of both wins for the Winnipeg Jets. But... Often we're talking about the top line or maybe Connor Hellebuck last night. It was all four lines getting into the mix. And Rick Bonus talked about contributions from uh, the top right down throughout his depth chart of forwards. Well, all, all four lines scored tonight. And the, uh, you know, the fourth line got two. So it was a heck of a play by, uh, by Kevin at the end to get the empty netter. But just as important as that shot block by Axel. Like that was huge for us. Uh, so when you find ways to win, you have guys sacrificing like that, then you know you hope you you hope you hope the shot block turns into a two points for the team, and it did. All right. Well, that was a big, big shot block by Axel Janssen Fjallby, who uh, started off the scoring in the first period when the Jets um, basically were up three nothing before Philly even knew that there was a hockey game going on. Philly battled back. Good for them. Um, but again, Carson Kuhlman with the winner and then Stanny icing it in the third period brought them on. But it wasn't just those players out. As we talked about right off the bat, big save Dave made a couple of very big saves when his team needed it the most. Here's what Rick Bonus had to say about his backup goaltender who got the start last night after Hellebuck got the win in Ottawa. 
He made a huge save there at the end, I'll tell you. So good, good on him. And he, he's a battler. He's a worker. Flats has done a wonderful job with him. He keeps him in, working and he keeps him motivated. He keeps him focused on getting ready for his next uh, his next, next assignment. So Wade's been great with him and David's been great working. They came out here this morning and worked on a couple of things. So another strong performance from him. All right, there's Rick Bonus on uh, Dave of the big save, and he made a few of them last night, getting his eighth win of the season. Dave now eight and four on the year for the Winnipeg Jets. Um, just as big as any individual accomplishment was the fact that the Winnipeg Jets erased the uh, two-game losing streak into a two-game winning streak. And um, Bones ran all the lines yesterday. And bottom line has got the win. He talked about the importance of uh, stringing a quick two in a row back to back together after the way that the road trip started. Yeah, well, we knew going in the stretch was going to be eight, eight of nine games on the road, and right now we have four wins. So, uh, a couple of games that we're weren't very happy with, but we again we we rebound well. So we had to, you know the the game in Montreal was in a attention getter for all of us uh again we could have got something out of toronto but um last night was great and we'll certainly take the two points tonight they they played last night we played last night so both both teams are playing three and four and when that happens you're gonna there's gonna be some sloppy play it's as simple as that all right so there's uh bones on um, the uh, the wins on the weekend and it does set up i mean listen another big opportunity for the winnipeg jets if they can continue to beat teams below them in the standings um, first of all, to finish off this road trip on a positive note and above 500, if they can beat the Nashville Predators tomorrow. And then, Reno, you know, the team comes back. We've got Buffalo, Philly, and St. Louis in those next three games. All teams that have struggled, all teams that are below the playoff line right now. And another big opportunity for the Jets to keep things rolling in a positive direction. Yeah, they, they got the all-star break, and then what? Like, a, There's a player break in there because I was putting this together, this graphic on screen, and it's like January 30, and the next game is uh, February 11. I was like, is that is that right? <laughs> and yes, it is. And that February 11 game, what is it, South Asian Heritage Night at uh, Canada Life Center, 9 p.m. start. 9 p.m. Saturday I'm game. So fired up for a home 9 p.m. game. Oh, baby. Uh, that sounds awesome. So Maybe yeah, you, you can act- actually get to the rink for a game. I I actually might be able to. We'll have to we'll have to see. But um, you look at this uh, you look at the schedule here, and you know Buffalo that you know they give up goals. Philadelphia you just beat St. Louis, Chicago. These are teams below you. I mean, it seems like everyone's below you actually when you're at the top, Huss. But uh, teams out of a playoff spot and nice chance to pad uh, your record even more. So uh, Jets putting themselves in good position here as you finish up the road trip tomorrow in Nashville and then uh, head home for a couple before the player break. So uh, I think the schedule looking kind of favorable here. Yeah, definitely. It's a nice spot. Hopefully they can uh, keep it rolling. First things first, though, tomorrow in Nashville. We'll head to Nashville in a few minutes and uh, hook up with Jeff Hamilton from the Winnipeg Free Press. One more clip, though, from Bones we wanted to play, which was the uh, reuniting of Schwielers. Mark Scheifele. Blake Wheeler and Nikolai Ehlers, they were all over the score sheet on the weekend, and uh, Bones talked about those group, that group that's playing together as a line. I like it. The way he, well, you look at that goal they scored. I mean, he, he's using his speed down that right side. He goes open the other side. Now you've got two right-handed shots looking for one-timers. So um, 
Yeah, he, listen, he's been he's been great. We need him to use that speed. He take the puck deep, and he's he's very patient with the puck, and he find, he finds open guys. So he's been really good. All right, there's uh, a little bit more from Rick Bonus, victorious last night, and um, as we mentioned, tomorrow in Nashville. We'll head there in just a minute. All right, Dave Poulin's teed up. We're going to bring in Pooley for his thoughts on the Winnipeg Jets through this road trip and some of the other big stories in and around the National Hockey League. Before we do that, don't forget, everybody, the cold is coming. Is your battery ready for it? Well, if it's not... You need to call Donnie and the gang down at Manitoba Battery at 1026 Logan Avenue. The best prices on batteries in town. Shopping local with a great independent local company that not only will give you the best price in town, but they'll also save you time and money by delivering it citywide. That's right. If you need a new battery, you can head on over to manitobabattery.com or simply give them a phone call. And if you let them know by 3 p.m. of what you need, they'll have it to you anywhere in the city on the same day. Uh, ManitobaBatteries.com is where to uh, is where to find out everything that they've got. And certainly, it's a wide, wide variety of batteries when we get towards the summer and maybe a few more fun vehicles. Right now, it's about your car. Don't be that guy that has to call your buddy for a boost. And then go to Manitoba Battery when it's minus 30. Get ahead of it. Save time and money. Manitoba Battery, 1026 Logan Avenue and online at manitobabattery.com. Speaking of looking ahead, we'll look ahead maybe past some of this cold weather and to the spring. And I know Consolidated Supply is already getting ready for the snow to melt and be there for you for irrigation services, artificial turf, engine parts, not to mention spas, outdoor kitchens, and more. Whatever the project you're thinking for your property or golf course, Consolidated Supply is there. Spicy, Joe, Gino, and the gang, everything you need. You can find out on all of Consolidated Supply's products and services online at cte.ca or pop down and visit them at 1395 Niaqua Road East. Yes, they are open to the public. Great spot. Highly recommend you pop in and see the guys themselves. You might just hear Winnipeg Sports Talk playing when you walk in. Um, January continues. We've still got another week. We've still got more time to nominate an unsung hero in our program with Josh Morrissey and, of course, our friends at Wallace & Wallace. Winnipeg Sports Talk listeners, what we need from you is an email to unsunghero at winnipegsportstalk.com. Let us know about that person in your life, in your community that's going above and beyond helping others, whether that be through charity work, whether that be through hours and hours of volunteering at a local community center or running minor youth and sports programs, whether it's in the school system or the department. We, uh, we've got all sorts of time for all of these unsung heroes, and one of them is going to win an autographed jersey from Jets All-Star Josh Morrissey. And then Wallace & Wallace is going to donate $500 to the Dream Factory, of which Josh is an ambassador for. And Josh is and Margot Morrissey are going to match it as well, all in the name of the Winnipeg Sports Talk listener that nominated the Unsung Hero. So, folks, let us know about those people making a difference in the community. Unsung Hero at WinnipegSportsTalk.com. And a big thanks to Wallace & Wallace for their support of this program. And just before we get Dave Poulin, uh, listen, I know there's some people. I'm not as sick lately. 
Maybe it was that Colflex oregano spray. Uh, but we can tell you that if you are needing a boost of immune products or just looking for great prices on natural and organic supplements, beauty products, and groceries, Vita Health is there for you with seven locations and Winnipeg's largest assortment of local products. As I mentioned, local products, battling colds and sore throat has never been easier with Colflex Oregano Spray made locally by Inatech Nutrition. Colflex Oregano Spray helps relieve coughs and sore throats and helps to maintain immune function. Get yours today at any Vita Health location. I had someone come up to me watching the game on Saturday night to talk about Colflex Oregano Spray. So uh, it certainly has a great rep. If you haven't tried it, get it at Vita Health Fresh Market. Seven Winnipeg locations, including the newest store in Linden Ridge, and online at myvita.ca. All right, let's talk some hockey. Jeff Hamilton coming up in a few minutes from Nashville. Right now, let's welcome in our pal Dave Poulin from TSN's Hockey Panel. I hope you had a great weekend. I know you've seen a lot of the Winnipeg Jets over this past week, now four games into this five-game road trip. I have, and I also, I love to see the game from different perspectives. So Tuesday night, I did the game in Montreal, Bell Center, great broadcast match point, right? So I did color for that game. And a different perspective when you're doing color. And Brian Mudrick and I did that game. And then Thursday night, I did a studio panel. So once again, different viewpoint, and even sitting with different people, analyzing the game and analyzing what's going on. And then Saturday, Sunday, um, I saw both games. And that was uh, just with Fred. Fred was one of the participants. That's my cat. And he's a pretty avid uh, Jets guy, and he checks things out. And so I saw it literally from all different angles. And, uh, you know, starting in Montreal, the least game of the four from, if you're a Jets fan. Um, so then you start to break down the differences. In the first night, not connected, um, didn't seem as fast as they'd been. And we'd done some good games, you know, uh, through – Christmas did a really good game against Dallas, a really good game against Tampa Bay. So I've seen the Jets at their best. And against Montreal, and, and by the way, that was as well as Montreal has played. You know, knowing the Jets are coming in, that's part of the equation. And I had been with Montreal two days before that in New York when they beat the Rangers 2-1. So you come in, you're playing a team that's down in the standings, just not connected. And the speed was visibly noticeable, or lack of speed. And it's when they're connected to the neutral zone. Short passes, puck moving quickly, guys flying. And even that said, you know, first period was pretty even, and then they ended up losing that game. They played much better in Toronto, and Matthews had a couple goals early in that, uh, in that second period. That sort of changed the flow of the game. And then they were good and on. Then here's the other wrinkle is, you know, I do a lot of stuff with Ottawa as well. Hearing the Ottawa perspective of how good Winnipeg is and bemoaning where Ottawa is. So there's another angle, right? Why can't we be like the Jets? So I explained to them why they're not like the Jets. And, and then, of course, last night in Philly, you just got to win that game. Bottom line, third game, four nights, travel, three different cities, border crossing, and I know people say, well, what's a big deal? You know, it's only an hour and 40-minute flight. It's all a big deal, trust me. And even crossing the border, you got to do the work. you got to get through. you got to do all that. 
and I think finding a way to win last night and getting the top six back together over the weekend because as the game wasn't very good, you saw those lines broken up. In order to move forward, those top six guys have to be together in some fashion. And it doesn't matter to me which fashion it is. And last night, I liked what I saw with Ehlers and Shifley and Wheeler, a little bit different spin. Uh, and I like Dubois. Guys, his chest, when he goes through here now, particularly in Montreal, as you might imagine, and people see what a physical monster he is, I don't, I don't know that there's a true appreciation for that player until you see him repeated times and how good he is and how strong he is. So there's your flavor for the Jets right there. Yeah, it was uh, it was quite a week. And yes, you're right. It did, certainly from the fan standpoint, they enjoyed the weekend. Like, Fred was lucky. Maybe he missed those first couple games. Certainly the Montreal Fred game. Fred doesn't lose many. Yeah. He <laughs> doesn't. Um, but, you know, on the weekend, let's talk about that. Cole Perfetti's had a real interesting season. And, and you can speak to the challenge of being a player at his age in the spot that he's been in for the majority of the year, uh, Dave, and the, and the responsibility that comes a lot, along with that. You know, he'd played a little bit on that third line. Now he's up with Connor and Dubois. And, I mean, listen, he was impactful. He's been, been impactful earlier on, even in this stretch. Three assists against Pittsburgh a week ago Friday. Um, but I'm interested in what you saw for, from Perfetti in particular because he looked like he's um, jumping at this opportunity to play with uh, this pair that has basically succeeded with just about anybody else on their wing. And sometimes it's a step back to see that. And it's a step, and it, it's crazy as it sounds, and I'm not going to take you back to the iPad escapade, <laughs> but for a player to sit on the bench and watch the game, not the iPad, but watch the game, um, from a different perspective on the third line or on the fourth line, and watch those guys, and put himself in place. This is the importance of sitting on the bench and watching. where What he would do in those situations. <laughs> in, in his mind, he's been on a two-on-one with Kyle Connor. Um, he knows what to do. Knows where Connor wants to puck. What a well-executed two-on-one with a perfect pass. Cole Perfetti can pass the puck guy. Really good at it. And he's smart. And the question going to be going into his draft year was maybe a quarter of a step. I don't want to call it a half step, but maybe a quarter step. He's not a burner. And when you see burners, you, you appreciate their separation, all the things they do. But he's really smart. So his mind accelerates his game and compensates for maybe being now a quarter of a step, an eighth of a step, whatever microfraction he is below the top speed burners, um, his mind compensates. I like this makeup, but I also like the fact that he has played with Shifley and Wheeler, and he can do that. Now he can throw different looks at teams. You want to put Ehlers down, but by the way, Nikolai Ehlers, you would have appreciated how much he was missed through the first part of the season. Like, how good is he right now? And he's 26 years old and just entering his wheelhouse. And his upside to me, 14 points in 10 games, I believe is the number if I'm right up to speed. But it's an electric 14 points. Like that play last night, the wheeler in the slot, the Shifley on the off flank, that first period last night, through 3 nothing. Flat out dominant. Now, I've still got some people in, in Philadelphia that may surprise you, but I was getting some notes through the first part of that game, like, what are we watching here? Are we this bad? And, you know, they scrapped back and got a couple power play goals from Kevin Hayes. But then what I really like is a, is a Carson Kuhlman scoring a big goal. And even more so at the end of the game, 
think what's happening right now is your bottom six are all playing defined roles on the PK. And the other note, uh, I got a couple of different notes from Ottawa about the size and speed of the depth guys. And, and you know, the common one is, where did Manalanan come from? Like, who is he? And, and he's big and he's strong and he skates. And Kevin Stenland, I knew more about from Columbus. I really like Stenland. Stenland couldn't stay healthy. Um, and, and then Jonas Fialbi. So here's a line that's, that's a free agent from North America, a free agent from Europe, and a waiver pickup in Jonas Fialbi, and who's picked up once before on waivers, but back on by Buffalo and sent back to Washington. So sort of knew about them, but their speed and the way that they can do their jobs and kill penalties and save the big guys for the other situations, I think is really important right now. Well, and that line was awesome last night, Dave. I mean, they, they really did stand out. And, you know, from a jet standpoint, listen, they, their special teams has, that's been a huge improvement this, uh, this year. I mean, we can talk about the defensive structure, the connection to the power play and the excellent penalty killing of which those players have been a big, big part of. Um, but earlier on, like at the start of this road trip, the one thing that the jets hadn't had was much five on five scoring you get all four lines to contribute the way they did last night. Obviously a great thing for the team, but to your point, I mean that fourth line and Kevin Stenland and to the chagrin of David Gustafson, who's a little injured right now, the fact that he came in that first game and won a bunch of face-offs, he earned some trust from Rick bonus. And that often Dave, I imagine is exactly what a player in that situation needs to do. Go in, do some simple things, right? Get an expanded opportunity, and then make the most of it. And I think it's pretty clear Kevin Stenland is a regular right now in this lineup, even if every member of the club is healthy. I would agree. And there's variables as well. Uh, right shot. So now you've got he and Lowry on the ice at the end of the game. You've got both a left shot and a right shot because the ability of the other team to move the face off on an icing call to either side, now you've introduced you know, another play. Now, comes into play last night because Stenland won a couple of draws. Think about that in a playoff series, Andrew. Think about when you got two guys you can put out at the end, not have to worry about your face-offs. Both 50, you know, mid-50-ish plus guys on the draw and on their strong sides. And so I really like the way these groupings are going and top six, bottom six sporting. Uh, Morgan Barrett continues to be a good pickup. And that was, you know, that was one of those depth pickups and I'll liken it to Neil Pionk and he was the second player in the Truba deal. Pionk was and Baron was the second player in the cop deal. Um, that's good scouting. That's flat out good scouting. I hope some of the scouts are watching right now because that's good scouting. We can give them a little bit of a feather too. And you know, that's good communication and good scouting and that's pushing for a guy, right? And the amateur guys in there too, because the amateur guy would have watched Morgan Barron at Cornell and uh, you know, because he only had a brief stay with the Rangers so it is shaping up well noticeable the size and and speed of that contingency like I almost feel he looks like he's flying all the time I think that hair has a little bit to do with it like I do okay he looks like Fabio okay so we're in let's play Montreal during the exhibition season am I correct yes he did yeah uh, in Montreal and we're doing the game and when he came out for warm-up, it's 
looked like he had a football linebacker collar around his neck because his hair, it was perfect the way it was sitting it. And it was just sitting right around his neck. And we were looking like, is that like a linebacker collar? And I started laughing. I said, no, it's his hair. I'm like, oh, yeah, I mean, think about that. Flashing back to the 80s when I had that look. Um, <laughs> but he's got speed and he's, you know, he's shown a little scoring touch now. Um, I did see an injury report post game. It looked like he could hit on the outside of the knee. And we're hoping, you know, you hope that's okay. But, uh, but I like the way the construction of the team is moving. Uh, you know, you're still going to get a couple guys back that are going to push. David Gustafson being one of them. Logan Stanley will push. You know, the, the uh, Enola, Sandberg back and forth. So you're getting some depth now. You're going to need bodies, guys. You're just flat out going to need bodies. Well, Dave, speaking of point. bodies, speaking of bodies, I mean, if you can, and you know, you've watched a lot of this team. I mean, I, I think we can all agree that the depth is far greater than maybe was thought to be at the beginning of the season and the record speaks for itself. Um, but as Kevin Chevalier said, I mean, these players have earned the opportunity to try to maybe pony up and give the best chance to win in the playoffs. And that would be with a trade deadline acquisition or two. When you look at this club, um, in your opinion, Dave, what would be, what addition would make the most sense for the Winnipeg Jets? Is there a type of player or an actual player that might be available that you think would be a great fit and would be worth it for the Jets to swing at? That's, you know, that, that group of, of UFA high-profile centermen, there's four of them in that group that we put them in. The, you know, let's, let's dismiss Larkin a little bit because he's a little bit younger, but when I think Detroit resigns him. But, uh, but the Jonathan Taves, Ryan O'Reilly, little Horvat grouping with Horvat being at the top of that list. Now you get into a situation where a guy like that's flat out going to make you better. And if that's your case where you bring a player like one of those three, if you were to bring one of those three into the fold, got the financials to do it, uh, you could have seven plus million dollars at the trade deadline, don't move around a few people. Um, you got lots of money. I don't think you ever have enough defensemen. Flat out don't. And then selfishly, you allow yourself, you as a manager, you have to allow yourself to have these um, thoughts that aren't presumptuous and aren't you know, too uh, cocky is not the right word, but too confident. What if in the second round you saw blank? What if in the third round you saw blank? How do we diversify our team enough? Would that be another thought blocking penalty killing? Although your penalty killing is what number two right now in the league. You know, um, there's a couple of shot blocking, penalty killing types of defensemen you'd love to have in your team that bring another element of toughness. What if you do run into that team? And so you're allowed to have those thoughts when you're sitting alone in your office, like I am right now. And, um, and you project ahead and you say, okay, if we matched up against a team like Dallas, who handles Jamie Benn in front of the net, that type of, you know, bizarre thinking. Um, the fantasy world, if you will. So I think you always welcome that type of player. You know, and there's a couple guys in Montreal that, that probably, I'm going to say they're top 10 for sure. They might be top six or seven today in shot blocking. And that's 
um, Joel Edmondson and David Savard. Now, Savard's a little different because he's got two years left after this one. Edmondson's got one year left. 3.5 million is a very doable number. There'll be a lot of guys in on those guys. And a lot of guys in on them because of what Montreal did a couple years ago in the playoffs, Andrew, when they controlled the crease in front of Carey Price, like it was a no-fly zone with Ben Sherrod and Edmondson and Shea Weber and Jeff Beach, who's a big guy. And they totally controlled that space on their run to the finals just a couple of years ago. Hey, uh, just quickly on Taves, um, because he's been a guy that for obvious reasons gets a lot of discussion in and around Winnipeg. Um, the resume speaks for itself, the incredible experience, the rings in the jewelry box. But at this point, Dave, um, what sort of a player, how effective could Jonathan Taves be? And if he does come in, is he a guy that maybe goes on the wing with a player like Shifley and they can split faceoffs, as you mentioned, or is he a center? You stick him in the middle and all of a sudden you've got Dubois, Shifley, Taves, and Lowry, and you're running four, four significant players, no matter who's out on the ice. You'd like to present that to your coach in a conversation. Can you imagine walking in and saying, hey, here's what I'm thinking. What do you think? Rick Bones is having his morning coffee in there with Scotty and it's going, uh, yeah, we think. And that would be a luxury you would love to have. Um, I think the pedigree of a Jonathan Taves type of player separates himself so much. And you know what? It might only come into effect four key moments during a run, six key moments during a run, maybe a big shorthanded goal, or maybe a moment when he grabs someone before a game. And, you know, in my leadership role in Philly, I had some guys behind and around me, Andrew, that would grab me, quite frankly, and uh, even young guys, and one of them is now the head coach of the Vancouver Canucks, and grab me and say, you know, here's what we need right now. We need someone to stand up in the locker room and say this, and you can say it. And then we worked through what that saying was. One time it was before a playoff series. Um, when some guys hadn't seen the ice and remember saying to Kenny Reggett, Kenny, you know, you may very well not see the ice again this year, but there may be a time when we need you. And Hexball went down and Reggett went in and beat the Penguins. Um, when the year before Mario won, started winning his cups. And so, you know, I think that's where Jonathan Taves brings an invaluable set of skills, both on and off the ice. And if a player like that were available, and flat out interim. Dave Poulin's with us from uh, the TSN Hockey Panel on Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Dave, before we go, you mentioned a former teammate of yours that is now the head coach of the Vancouver Canucks. Of course, that's Rick Tockett. He was introduced yesterday, right in the middle of the Buffalo-Cincinnati game, which was, I don't believe, a coincidence. Um, listen, you've been on both sides of this. You've covered the league for a long time. It seems like this was handled about as poorly as possible. And I think everyone whether you have any skin in the game. If you've been a hockey fan, you respect Bruce Boudreaux and probably thought he deserved better. Um, I know you guys have talked about this on TSN, but any thoughts on why this played out the way that it did? Because it sure looks bad on just about everybody involved. Uh, agreed. And that it does, wasn't handled well. I think they would agree that it wasn't handled well. I think Jimmy Rutherford basically said that. I believe his terminology was, I'm just going to zip it from you know, and there's so many factors that go into this, Andrew, but the bottom line is, um, you might say unfair, you might say fair was Jimmy Rutherford picking up the option on Bruce Boudreaux last summer. 
And maybe the case was there if he knew he wasn't his coach, but Boudreau had come in and done a good job and changed things around. Popular sentiment was they were going to move forward as a team. And essentially, last summer, he was given another opportunity. The opportunity didn't work out. I don't think in any manner anyone thought it would get to that point. But when it gets to a point day by day, it's what day do you cut it off? It should have been cut off. There's no question. At an earlier date, it wasn't. And then when you look at the sum of it all, you're like, wow, how can it get that far? It doesn't seem like it's getting that far when it's going day by day. Um, but, you know, I just, I wish my old roommate all the best and, and Rick Tockett. He didn't have anything to do with the handling of it, for sure. And uh, you just you just want to move forward from this point. Really tough for Bruce. A true professional, the way he handled it. And, you know, challenging for everyone. And it's easy to say it. And, and actually, before I even knew that I wrote, um, which I do in the Star on Sundays now, uh, Hockey News reminded me that I wrote an article when I was traded in 1990. And Bob McKenzie was my ghostwriter. And uh, it was called, It's Part of the Business. And I said, it's a term I grew to hate when I got traded, because it's literally the first thing everybody said, well, it's part of the business. The last thing a player wants to hear. It's the last thing a coach who gets fired wants to hear. He just doesn't want to hear it. Um, and so I'm not going to say that with, with Bruce. It's challenging. It's tough. Was it handled well? No. If revisited, would people say, this, this should be, well, this may be a case study in a, in a sports business school 20 years from now, Andrew, where they say, you know, Here's a situation that should have, could have, and would have, in looking back, been handled differently. Here's all the things not to do when handling a situation like this. Isn't Vancouver, Isn't now Harvard Business School builds their case studies, right? <laughs> like, don't be in wrong. I don't know. Hey, Dave, just before we go, uh, great day of football. I know you watched some of it. Who you got in the Super Bowl? Well, I think beside James Duffy and San Fran is implanted on his brain and everything about him. Cincinnati looks good right now. Um, right now, I'm sitting across from a guy who has pretty strong sentiments for a team in Kansas City. And, uh, you know, who's the weak sister in the group? The Philadelphia Eagles? Do I have an allegiance to that city? Um, I was there actually doing a Flyers Montreal game. Last time they had a Super Bowl print in town. So here's what I will say. I, I think right now the four best teams are there. And I'm going with you. I'm on air with you. I'm going with you, buddy. I'm giving you the support and the love you need. I appreciate that. I appreciate it. The prayer circle for Mahomes' ankle will continue throughout oh, the week. Keep that going. And uh, I will see whether the Jets, after a tough start to the road, he can come back three and two uh, playing tomorrow in Nashville. Dave, thanks so much for doing this. It's always great having you on the program. Enjoy the pucks the rest of the week and uh, certainly the football next week. And we'll do this again soon. Enjoy your day, Andrew. Oh, man, great stuff with Dave Poulin, as always. Hammers teed up in Nashville. We'll go there right away. Still to come, though, I know we did touch on the Canucks and the Bruce Boudreaux situation, Rick Tockett and all that. Matt Sakaris in Vancouver going to join us a little later on. Definitely gonna not going to miss that. And, yes, 
the beer, the two liters of pop guy, the tooth. We that we will address that and play that at the end of the program as well. Of course, we're not going to miss that. Um, all right. Hey, uh, you know, Remo was mentioning how busy that skating trail was on the weekend. Um, I can tell you, speaking with my friend the Hasbeaks over at Royal Sports, there is a ton of people going in and taking advantage of kind of what we've been talking about for the last week or so inexpensive, casual skates for people that aren't hockey players that just want to go out and maybe learn to skate, take advantage of the river trail. Um, they've got skates at under $100 for a pair right now, the number of different casual styles. So if you have been on the fence or just thought that it was too much to maybe grab a pair, pop down to Royal at 750 Pemina Highway, the best selection of the city, right from casual skates right up to uh, the best in the biz for elite hockey players. You know, 40 years in the business, family-owned. They've got the best hockey selection in town. Thousands of sticks, everything you need equipment-wise. And for the fans, they've got the selection of merchandise, the best you'll see anywhere. Thousands of pieces of Jets merchandise, including tons of exclusives, bombers, NFL gear, international soccer, Raptors, Blue Jays, They've got it all, uh, as well as some uh, snowboarding. If you're thinking about getting out onto the hill, Royal Sports has it all. Pop down and see them, 750 Pemina Highway, or check them out on Instagram at Royal Sports Pemina. Uh, their story's great. Always dropping the latest merchandise information, as well as uh, their latest sales. Our friends at F Apparel are now well into 2023. And for those of you planning a wedding or a graduation, you're going to definitely want to talk to Andrew and his great staff about the deals they've got going on right now. Wedding parties, 15% discount for everyone in the wedding party when you get your suits as a group from F Apparel. Uh, and it's a great time, too. You can tell the fellas, meet you down at F Apparel. You can do a very quick measurement and get your suit set up. And then you can tell... Anyone that would be interested, it took three hours, which it doesn't, and then go have a few with the guys and talk about the big day. And if you've got a grad, a 2023 grad in the family, free shirt and tie for any 2023 grad getting a custom suit from F, a $150 savings. Custom suits beginning at 400 bucks. Accessories, they've got it all. F Apparel, 190 Smith Street downtown. Find out more or make an appointment to pop in and see them online at F. That's EPHapparel.com. And, uh, man, had a great time at BP on the weekend, getting together with some friends, watching both the football and the Winnipeg Jets game. Um, listen, you know, you need a great sports bar that has awesome food, great deals, and most importantly, great sound with the game on the big screen. And you know you can count on Boston Pizza for that. For that. Tomorrow night, Tuesday night, road game. Maybe another great night to get together with the gang at your local Boston Pizza. And if you can't, you can always order online at bostonpizza.com. All right, let's uh, get out to Music City right now. The well-traveled Jeff Hamilton of the Winnipeg Free Press finally has a minute to sort of catch your breath. What's up? How was your weekend? You must have just been running nonstop. Yeah, where was I? I'm trying to think now. Um, no, uh, you know what? Been a great weekend. Obviously, back-to-back uh, -back games. Um, you know, I've I've set up the lighting here to try to limit the uh the appearance of bags under my eyes it's been uh you know it's been a it's been a long but fun fun trip here to cover uh cover the team through 
the first three stops in Canada and now now in the U.S. It's I will say this though the the final stop as you mentioned Music City I don't know if there's a better a better spot to walk into tired uh, and get an injection of energy so certainly looking forward to this chat and then uh, getting off this chat and enjoying some of uh, some of Nashville's finest spots. Absolutely, I have a feeling that energy will not be running low once you get out there and a uh, perfect time to have maybe a day off a little slower day. Um, certainly for the Winnipeg Jets playing back-to-back, they could use a day off, and I imagine you might see some of them kind of sniffing around, seeing what's happening in downtown Nashville, as the anyone Nashville would flu. do, as anyone's down in there. Um, Jeff, listen, this road trip did not start off well. Uh, an ugly game in Montreal, a much better performance in Toronto, although a few self-inflicted mistakes um, we're taken advantage on of by uh, Austin Matthews in particular and Mitch Marner. We know how that one ended, but um, man, overall, two really strong games for the Winnipeg Jets, especially Saturday in Ottawa. I mean, they absolutely manhandled the Sens. And listen, credit to Philly for bouncing back after that three nothing deficit early, uh, but got it done. Both goalies getting into the mix, and last night all the line scoring. Um, you were there. What did you think about the way the Jets played over those six periods coming out of it with four points on the weekend? You know, I think whether you were in the building or watching on TV, I, you know, I think early, you know, midway through the first period, you were thinking, it was, you know, the Jets were toying with these with these guys, that it was going to be a, a little bit of a runaway. And, um, you know, I don't think my opinion changed much in the second period. Now, obviously, the, the, the Flyers were able to get one there late in the first, kind of gain a little bit of momentum back. Um, but then in the second, I thought the Jets, although they weren't rewarded for it, I thought their chances were even better uh, in, in the uh, in the second period and um, just couldn't capitalize. Uh, you know, look, the Philadelphia Flyers are not a good team. I mean, you look at their record that, you know, it suggests that. But they went they came into that game winning seven of their last 10 games and and playing some of the best hockey of the, of the season. And, you know, a team that's, you know, Rick Bonus said this after the game, you know, a team that's coached by John Tortorella is not going to let his guys off the hook uh, and give up. And, you know, I mean, that's that's NHL hockey. I mean, that's it's just inevitable that a team that gets up, um, you know, eventually gets on their heels and there's a bit of a momentum swing and. You know, a desperate hockey team starts putting risk into their game. And when you see that the Jets weren't able to capitalize on some of their opportunities um, and, you know, put them in a bigger hole, you saw them them claw their way back. I mean, look at some of those goals. I mean, two of them were power play goals. What a beauty by by Kevin Hayden, the first one. Um, and then his second one, you know, I think that's just a that's just an unfortunate bounce. I mean, I, I originally thought it was maybe some bad rebound control by David Riddick, but uh, turns out it was the skate of Brendan Dillon that it went off to and, and right to Kevin Hayes. Not much you can do there. And, um, you know, so, you know, credit to Philadelphia for figuring out, but also uh, figuring a way to get back in the game, mind you. And then, and then, but credit to the Jets for, for finding a way. I mean, I think it was one of those games where, you know, you look like they were being goalied after, you know, making, you know, having their way with, with, with uh, you know, with scoring early on. And then you get Carson Kuhlman come in and get rewarded for, uh, you know, what I think was, uh, you know, a nifty Kucherov move. Let's face it, that was absolutely <laughs> by accident, um, you know, and and fooled the goalie. And and, and um, Sanchez, that, that's kind of been his M.O. season. He's given up, you know, kind of one garbage goal a, a game. And, um, 
It's something John Torella has talked about openly, uh, talked about, I forget the other goalie's name. You'll have to forgive me for that, but he's talked about how he, he'd rather have a different backup goalie. I mean, this is the kind of coach that he is. Um, but I thought he, pl- you know, I thought he played great between the pipes and gave the, the, the Flyers a chance to, to win. But, you know, ultimately you saw some depth scoring, which hadn't, hadn't been, you know, hadn't been happening for the Winnipeg Jets for some time. I know Remo brought up that last goal was by Carson Coleman and into an empty netter. Um, you know, so to have them come through and have big games and, you know, you gave credit to that fourth line, you know, that fourth line was buzzing. They weren't, they weren't generating a ton of ice time, but when they were on the ice, they were getting rewarded for it. And, um, you know, bonus trust them near the end. So I think it was a complete win. I, you have to take into consideration too. It's easy, you know, and it's easy to, to go, it's the Philadelphia Flyers, you know, they're not playing well, even though they have been, have been playing some of their best hockey of late and, and they too played the night before, but you know, this is uh, this is game four of, uh, of a five game road trip. The end, you know, the, the second of a back to back, there's going to, you know, you're not going to get, their best effort. You're knocking at what we saw in, in Ottawa where you had numbers. Well, you know, I, guys, what I mean by that is guys coming back on the forecheck. You saw some of the, the fatigue kick in um, from Winnipeg. And so, you know, to have kind of your, the guys who aren't being taxed with ice time, you know, night in, night out, come up and be big players for you and, um, and get rewarded. I mean, that's how can you not like that? And then finally, David Riddick, I thought he was, you know, I'm sure there was some, some goals he'd like back, but um, ultimately I think he saved the Jets a lot. I mean, the, you know, bonus again said after the game, those timely saves, there was a lot of, a lot of opportunity there for the game to flip for, for, uh, you know, for, for the game to swing into, to Flyers momentum. And David Riddick was there on the doorstep making not one, two, but I think three or four great A plus saves to keep the Jets in it. So all things considered, I think you got to be happy um, if you're a Winnipeg Jets fan. And, um, you know, especially after bouncing back from, you know, two, two, I think just obviously disappointing results, but even disappointing efforts to a certain degree against Montreal and Toronto. I know, I know the Jets like their effort in Toronto, but I mean, I don't know. I, I didn't think that they were all that special at five on five. And so to get that game back rolling the last two games, even against inferior opponents is important. It gets the confidence back up and to finish off on a high note here Tuesday in, in Nashville. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I listen, that just back to the Toronto game for a minute. I mean, that first period, they were all over it. They were skating at just an entirely different level than they were against the Montreal Canadiens. And yeah, they had a tough time beating Samsonov. But I mean, the big things that killed them in that game um, was, you know, a couple terrible turnovers that seemed to be the MO of their opponent, at least on Monday night. I mean, Ottawa was so. You know, once you got into that second period, it was like that they, uh, you know, the Jets, they had no answers for what the Jets were doing, and it totally made them sort of fall apart. But as far as the game last night and back-to-backs, Jeff, just looking at this schedule, and I think the Jets have won four of their last five games on back-to-backs and are five and two, if my, uh, if I'm reading this correctly, for the season in that second end of back-to-backs. And you know, it is such a ref- – everything's been refreshing about the change that Rick Bonus has been in. But I said for a long time, and it's been sort of a running joke, that, you know, under previous head coaches, one in particular, you would almost get all of these things that are up against the team, you know, put out beforehand, and they almost turned into self-fulfilling prophecies. Um, you know, if all you're doing is talking about how tough the travel is and the time zones and the back-to-backs, and that's what you're talking about – Sometimes that, you know, is kind of willed into reality. That might be the biggest difference of this team so far this year is the way that they 
think of look to the challenges forward coming as far as adversity and take them head on. And I give the coaching staff a ton of credit, but also the players, how they have bought into that from day one. And we haven't seen terrible games on the second end of back-to-backs. We've actually seen some of their best games. I mean, the game in Pittsburgh last week to me was maybe the piece de resistance as far as the, uh, the back-to-back games. Um, but I mean, last night as well, what do you, what do you make of that? How much of that is mental and how much of that is the messaging that the coaching staff has been drilling in from the start of the year? Absolutely. I think it started in the off season, the conversations that Rick bonus had with, you know, whether it was individual players or the team through training camp, I think he, he gave them a vote of confidence. I think they needed that. You know, I, we all knew that this was a talented team on paper. I mean, look at the roster. I mean, a lot of teams would, you know, would want a lot of the, t- of the players on this club. And so, you know, I think what Rick bonus was able to do is come in, you know, give a collective deep breath for these guys. Uh, um, talk about, you know, talk about how, you know, they played well, but they, they can take it to another level and ultimately challenge them. I think this team needed to be challenged. I mean, we, you know, far too often last season, as you mentioned, Huss, I mean, um, you know, Paul Maurice would come out after, after you know, very obvious bad efforts um, and say, you know, he liked their game. Now, was he saying a different thing behind closed doors? Maybe, maybe he just didn't want to air that stuff out, out in public. But, you know, we, we often heard the excuses we talked about, you know, he, it was often talked about the injury issues. I mean, one guy going down, you know, whether it was a Mark Shifley or a Blake Wheeler or, you know, a Nikolai Ehlers was, was then led into, you know, well, we're dealing, we don't have this guy. And then it's, then it's time zones. And then it's going back here and, uh, you know, the road schedule isn't good. And it's like, you know, it was almost talked about as if that wasn't something that every other team in the National Hockey League deals with. And I think, you know, in some ways, it was meant to maybe protect, you know, a, a Jets team that maybe wasn't as mentally strong. But in a lot of ways, I think it enabled them to be mediocre, to, you know, to kind of believe that they were up against it, that this, that these challenges weren't something that they were up to, not just facing, um, but thriving through. And I mean, look at this season. I mean, look at the talking points, um, you know, whether it's, you know, this is a proud team after losses. And of course they should be pissed off or, you know, look, they got to be enjoying being in the fight. I mean, first place is not an easy place to be, but it's an enjoyable place to be. Um, and kind of having that attitude where you're going to have to rip this from our cold dead hands. I mean, you can see the energy, you can see almost a business-like approach that you haven't seen um, in previous years. I mean, this is, you know, it's, it's, it's serious hockey, but in, but in, Taking the the game seriously and assignments seriously and roles seriously, um, it results in winning, and we all know how important um, you know winning is to the locker room. Winning is to enjoying the everyday of being an NHLer. I mean, that's that's just you know facts. And so you you know, and and credit to Rick Bonus, right? I mean, we talked endlessly about Rick Bonus and how he's come you know come in and uh, you know and 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 helped bolster you know bolster individual performances, bring in structure and 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 uh, systems that uh you know were new but 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 sat down and gave the time and taught the players and educated them on their mistakes and and gave them a foundation and a winning formula that they could stick to and not have to abandon throughout the games but as 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 good as rick bonus has been for this team and there's no doubt he has this isn't just a rick bonus you know 
credit here. I mean, you got to look at the staff that is around him. Look at Scott Arneal. I mean, he's like, he's a future head coach and Wayne, in my opinion, look what he's come in and done with the defense. Look what he's come in and done with the penalty kill Brad Lauer as well. Um, you know, forwards are clicking the power plays going. It's, you know, it's, it's coming up with timely goals. Um, and then look at a guy like Marty Johnson. I mean, I wrote about him in, in Ottawa where he, where he spent, you know, seven seasons, um, as head coach of the Carlton Ravens and a few more before that, I believe that's, that's the total, but, um, you know, he, he, he's Mr. Serious. He's attention to detail. He's, he's giving players individual instruction. He's, he's in charge of the pre-scouts of, of every team. He's the guy, he's the guy who's up, you know, eye in the sky, uh, through the first and second period coming down and relaying information about what, you know, what the Jets may or may not be doing or what the other team may or may, may not be, you know, doing and, and overcompensating with and, and edging educating them so it feels like a full effort um a full effort from not just right bonus but from the entire coaching staff and of course the buy-in of the players that's the big thing here right i mean the players have to buy in they have to trust um that they're getting good instruction and, and we're seeing that and um it's resulting in victories it's resulting in the jets you know, now we're, we're getting into to late january here and this team is still fighting at the top of the western conference and central division i mean how second can you in not, the league and wins uh, how can you not like what you see? And, 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 you know, and, and, and that's the thing. And the other thing too is, you know, guys aren't happy after some wins. I think that's a big difference here. You know, guys, you know, you used to be like last, you know, previous seasons, it used to be like, you know, we need to like the, the talking point. In a lot of cases was we need to enjoy these wins. We, it's almost like you needed a reminder all the time that you were an NHL hockey player and had one of the best jobs in the world. Now, it's a business approach. It's, you know, it's preparation, it's, it, it's um, execution and it's buy-in. And, and we're seeing a team, you know, completely go from one, you know, one, <laughs> 10 points out of the playoffs last season to arguably one of the best teams and a real shot here as we, as we get towards the trade deadline to be a team that's, you know, looking to go on a deep playoff run. No, you're, uh, you're exactly right, Jeff. And along with all of that, a team that is having a hell of a lot more fun doing it on a daily basis and I think being around each other and it has been as far as a couple of the changes on the weekend um it was interesting we saw some different lines in Montreal and Toronto Cole Perfetti was with Adam Lowry you had Morgan Barron up it went back to the the same top six that we've seen when everyone is healthy but things did change Cole Perfetti got a chance to skate with Connor and Dubois and Schwielers was back together with um, Blake, Mark, and Nikolai Ehlers. Uh, at times, the Schwielers line looked like, I mean, the Globetrotters. That goal last night, that tic-tac-toe passing play, will be on the end-of-season highlight reel, I'm sure. Um, what did you think about that line? And um, Cole Perfetti getting a chance to run with uh, Dubois and Connor. You know, I was having this conversation with Sean Reynolds before, and you know, when they when they swapped up the lines and tried to put, you know, Blake Wheeler on a line with with Derek Dubois and Kyle Connor, I think what, what it meant to do was um, you know, put Wheeler, be that guy, you know, kind of alter his game a little bit to drive towards the net, right? Kind of force him to not force him, sorry, but but you know, the other two guys are gonna work the puck, they're gonna, you know, they're gonna protect the puck, get a big guy like Blake Wheeler in the middle. And I just don't think it, it, it worked all that well. And, and, you know, you look you look at the chemistry, the obvious chemistry between Blake Wheeler and, and Mark Shifley. I mean, they know exactly where they are. Bring a lot of speed and puck possession um, with a guy like like Nikolai Ehlers, and, you, and you're going to get exactly what, what you saw on that goal. I mean, yeah, that was a highlight real goal, no doubt 
about it. I mean, you're right. We're going to be watching that probably for, for a long time. But if you look how that play develops, it's vintage Nikolai Ehlers taking it wide, buying time, and then two, you know, structurally sound players in, in, uh, in, you know, and smart players in Blake Wheeler and Mark Shifley becoming outlets and options there. And so when you find Blake Wheeler, it's not even a question mark that he dishes it over to Mark Shifley and Mark Shifley puts it in the empty cage. And it's just like, you know, you know, that's a, you know, you know, the feeling Mark Shifley gets because he studies this game so much. He's just like, that's exactly what I, you know, what we're talking about here, right? What I've been, what we've been envisioning when it comes to, you know, when, when we often, Know, when we see the Jets play with the puck too often, right? We not make it. I, that's that's what develops when you know when when those minds come together. And I think you know definitely, obviously, the chemistry between fifty five and twenty six. But you know whether Nick Lyler is a, is on that line or the other, you know, the top line with the, with uh, with Pierre Luke and and Kyle Connor, you have, but you know you have a guy who's just you know. And I wrote about it in this trip. I, I talked to him in Toronto, thinking you know, look at this guy coming out of. You know, being out of the, out of the lineup for 36 games and coming back in and scoring at the clip that that he's scoring at. I mean, there's a lot of players in this league would be envious with those numbers. Well, when I talked to him, you know, expecting to do this story, but how did you get out of you know, or how did you get so adjusted after that first game where it was quite obvious he was getting still getting up to game speed? He said, "Look, Jeff, I'm not even there yet." He's like, "I'm not even close to where I want to be." He goes, "I know, I I know who I am and the player I want to be, and I and there's a lot more that I can give." I mean, this to think that this guy is still adjusting, um, is still adjusting uh, to to the game speed right now and getting you know from his in, from the sports uh, hernia surgery. That's a that's a scary thought for the rest of the league that the, that this guy's got more to give. So, I mean, to me, it's it's. Um, I can't believe just quickly on Ehlers. I can't believe how good he's looked. I, I was like many people unsure of how much we could expect of Ehlers coming out of this surgery and how close he would be to the guy we've seen play at the top of his level. And um, he very quickly, I think put many of those fears to rest and he's fit in. We always also, we also were saying, Oh, what, what line is he going to fit in? How will this work out best? We've seen a bunch of different looks. And the one thing that is a consistent it honestly doesn't matter who Nikolai Ehlers is playing with. He's controlling the play. They're spending a lot of time in their other team's end. They're turning red lights on, and he is impactful. That being said, I think that this this setup right now, along with Shifley and Wheeler, um, might be a unit that we see stick together for a while. Well, I think yeah, absolutely. I think so. I mean, to me, it's um, I you know. I, I think you have the obvious chemistry between 26 and 55. You have the obvious chemistry between, um, you know, Pierre-Luc Dubois and Kyle Connor. Now it's about fixing, you know, now it's about finding the right mix there. And I really like a guy like Cole Perfetti on that, on that line with, with Kyle Connor and, and uh, Pierre-Luc Dubois, because although those guys like to have the puck, you know, get a guy on a line, like get a guy like Cole Perfetti on that line to find those guys in open space. And, and you'll see it. I mean, Kyle Connor is, oh, Connor needs about two inches of space to fire a puck past any goalie in this league. And so to have a guy like Cole Perfetti on that line, I think that's going to up his game. Um, and it's going to, it's going to be a benefit to it, to his line mates. And so um, that just makes a natural fit for, for Nikolai Ehlers to be on, on a line with the two other players and, and Blake Wheeler and, and, and Mark Scheifele. I think there was always that chemistry between Nikolai Ehlers and, and Mark Shifley. And, um, you know, I was kind of surprised when they moved away from it. Um, and now I'm not surprised at all that they moved back. And, and I mean, we talked about this before about whether or not, you know, Rick Bonus maybe made a mistake or, or was just trying to find something different or new. Um, but, uh, but 
at the end of the day, I mean, um, those are skilled players. I mean, and, and the, the chemistry is going to continue to build. Um, the the skill is, is undeniable on both those lines. So it's kind of an embarrassment of riches, especially in the way that the Jets do their lineup. I think, I think Rick Bonus for that Toronto game was trying to give a little bit of an equal look um, on all three lines. I, you know, the depth scoring, as I had mentioned, had kind of been in and out. Um, not doing so well. And so I think he tried to be a more balanced lineup and make it a little bit more difficult for, uh, you know, for the, uh, for the Maple Leafs to match lines. I just don't think it worked all that well. So, you know, credit Rick bonus to go back to, you know, a more skilled top six. And, uh, and I think it's clicking. I mean, we'll see what happens. I don't think the, you know, I, I I'm with you. I think this is, could be a line that could be dangerous for a while, but um, I also think Rick bonus is the, uh, this is, this is my personal opinion about Rick Bonus's greatest asset in game. I think there is, I think he has an ability um, you know, from understanding and getting to know his players on a personal level, level, who's going and who's not. And so I think he, he has that ability to work around in a game, throw different lineups out there, throw guys, you know, give guys who are, are earning it, a, a, you know, whether you're on the first line or the fourth line, more opportunity and more trust. And, and you're seeing that confidence up and down the lineup when he does that, right? Guys aren't going to bring – guys aren't going to – you know, and there's also minor injuries. There's other things at play that coaches know. Um, but you need to have that mindset. You need to be able to not rely necessarily on, on your top guns if they're not going. Um, so credit to Rick Bonus for that. But also, you know, those two lines, I mean, those guys – they need, you know, we've heard this over the last few days. Your best players need to be your best players, and it's quite obvious who the best players are on this on this team, and it comes from the top six. Jeff Hamilton with us in Nashville with the Winnipeg Jets, taking on Nashville tomorrow. Uh, imagine off day for the club, um, just travel, get some rest, get ready for the finale of this five game road trip, and it is an interesting matchup. You know. UC Soros will be along with Connor Hellebuck uh, sharing the net for the Central Division in the All-Star game. He has won games single-handedly for the Nashville Predators as of late. We've been putting up some big numbers. Uh, Nashville's sort of been an up-and-down team right now on the outside of a playoff spot. I imagine, Jeff, that'll be a very desperate team knowing what's at stake for the Preds and for the Winnipeg Jets looking to see if they can continue their momentum from these two quick wins on the weekend. And after dropping the first two potentially coming back with six out of 10. I think the Jets will welcome a game against the Nashville Predators and particularly the, the, the West. Um, you know, I think they, they feel more comfortable in those games are a bit heavier, um, a little bit quicker, a little bit more run and gun easier, if you will, to get into the game. And so, you know, you're right. I mean, anyone, you know, I think Nashville is particularly uh, good at home. I mean, they, they realize the situation, situation they're in they realize the point in season they're at I mean they need to get victories they need to push here um, they're going to get and, and the Winnipeg Jets are going to get unlike other years they're going to get the team's best that's the that's the reality of being at the top of the standings being a team where you, you know heading in you know I've been listening to the pregame shows of, of other teams to hear what they're hear what they're saying about the Jets um, you know and, and last year how many times did the Jets play against backup goalies that's an indicator of a of a lack of respect um, and then this year the narrative is much different I mean even even the Philadelphia game a team that's like I said had won seven of ten they said that this would be the biggest test of the season so far for the Philadelphia Flyers and we've heard other we've heard other you know I've heard other sentiments like that over this trip um, there's a lot of respect for this team and what they're doing and what Rick Bonus and the structure in which they're playing I mean the special teams are on the five on five you know it dipped a bit earlier and, and that seems to be back on um, but the Jets know that they need 
to be, you know, beating teams. They need to be going on runs. This is a, you know, at the beginning of this month, they all got together and they talked about their, their end goals. Um, you know, the, I talked to a couple players about it. No one was willing to give me specifics, you know, on, on what the record they wanted to be or whatnot. Obviously, they wanted to win every game. Um, but the, the reality is, is they're looking at this month here before the All-Star break to, to put themselves in a real position. Um, so when they go away for a full week, they, they're able to reset and come back focused and ready for what will be the last 30 games and the ultimate playoff push. So all these games leading up to that point, um, is is obvi- it's obviously a strong focus, but this is this is you know this is their goal right now. They're looking at this you know I, you know these X amount of games leading up to the end of this month as you know putting themselves in the best possible position um, because they know that you know leading into that playoff push because they know that the competition is only going to get harder. The teams are only going to get more desperate, um, and you need to be a desperate team at the top. That's what makes good teams. You can't just you know and I don't mean desperate in your play. I mean you need to be taking every team you know, as serious as those teams who need the points. And so I think it's an attitude thing here. You know, I I think, I don't think, as I mentioned earlier, these guys are, you know, even after some wins, but particularly after losses, they're pissed off in the room. They're not, you know, they're not friendly guys. You know, and, and as, as you know, someone who covers this team, you know, has covered this team for years, I think it's a great sign. You know what I mean? I don't mind asking questions that are, you know, get snarky answers because I, you know, it shows that this is a passionate team. It's a, a team that, you know, is, you know, as Rick Bonus has said over and over again, a very proud team. Um, and so I think they're going to be, you know, I, I think we're going to see a motivated club uh, wanting to wrap up, you know, what I think is, you know, a disappointing road trip in their eyes, but it, it will be less disappointing uh, if they can get that third win in a row and, and, and get on a winning note, come back home um, and just look at, you know, have that five, five game road trip in the rear view mirror, feeling better than, you know, certainly they did through the first. Hey, uh, just before we go, uh, Philly's got always had some big time Manitoba roots. Um, you had a neat piece in the paper, catching up with uh, Carmen's Wade Allison uh, about, listen, I can't imagine it's, a lot of fun right now being a Philadelphia Flyer, but you know when you're a young man trying to crack a lineup, trying to establish yourself as an NHLer, even playing for Torts on a losing team is probably pretty cool. Uh, just fill people in a little bit on uh, what you did with Wade in the paper. Yeah, so I got a chance to speak with him before the game. Um, you know, I, I, you know, he's a he's 25 years old. He's a he's a great kid. Uh, he plays a great style hockey that you just have to love. And it's the exact identity of, of the Philadelphia Flyers. Yeah. I mean, this is a guy that is, that is aggressive. Um, he's a, he, he's a, he's got a hard and powerful shot. He's not afraid to go into the dirty areas. He's physical, but I think what, what he, you know, what adds to his element is his, he just has a great perspective. You know, he, he loves having fun. Um, and you know what? It, every guy should love having fun in the national hockey league, but it's, it's not very, it's not always that easy and this is a guy who you know dating back to when he was you know in university when he tore his ACL you know he's just had bad luck after bad luck since being being drafted in the in the second round um, I think it was 52nd overall in 2016 I mean there's a guy like I said he, he I think it was Western Michigan University he, he tore his ACL you know his first his first um, you know two years later in training camp gets injured that derails his season um, you know he just he's made his way through through the HL with I don't know how many conditioning stints just to get up and you know my point is is he's been knocked to the mat so many times and gotten back up now he's healthy he's strung together you know a handful of games he's he's playing on a line with Scott uh with Lawton and um and Kevin Hayes two veterans that are helping his game along and you know he's just a good Manitoba 
a kid. He's just, uh, you know, he's, he's, he's making his way. He's still got lots of hockey to play to prove his point, but he's got a real opportunity in front of him because the Flyers fans love this guy. Like I said, he epitomizes everything that Flyers hockey is about. You know, he's, he's the kind of guy where, you know, again, he'll, he'll play all, you know, he's a 200 foot player, hard shot, you know, has, has touch around the net, but is that physical presence and, and, you know, someone who's going to, in my opinion, my prediction is going to be a tough player to play against a nasty guy to play against, um, and it was great to catch up to him to get some of his perspective and just, you know, to see him see him in a, in a situation now where, you know, he's hitting his groove. He's earning the trust of John Tortorella, um, you know, playing with veteran players. And he's the kind of guy that, um, you know, it's just impossible to, to not want to root for him. Um, and again, I just I have so much. You know, I have so much respect for for NHLers in general and how much work it takes to get there. Uh, it, you know, it's not an easy it's not an easy situation. You got to pretty much you know, not pretty much you dedicate your whole life to it, and, and just having to you know go through some of those injuries that he's gone through and come back in the way that he has, and to have the perspective of you know, well, why wouldn't I enjoy this game? I mean, I'm playing. You know, I have the best job in the world. That's his attitude through all of it, and uh, it's nice to finally see him clicking. And you know, it was great to catch up with him and uh, you know do a little thing on him for the paper. Hey, listen, just before you hit the streets of Broadway, um, I assume last night you had to go down to the Jets' room and bonus and miss Torts' post-game comments? I did, yeah. I I, uh, I don't often get... So I'm, you know, if... So I'm the only... Well, actually, Marat was with me for the first three games, but I was the only local guy now traveling. So, you know, I don't have the luxury of going to both. you got to have to pick and choose. And, of course... I don't think a lot of uh, Jets fans and, and Winnipeg Free Press readers would uh, would want me filling a Jets victory uh, with a bunch of Tortorella quotes. But, you know, it was unfortunate because they also played the night before. So it wasn't a morning skate to go to, uh, um, you know, obviously the heat around John Tortorella, right, you know, from whatever the, you know, the stuff earlier with the pride stuff and whatnot. But I mean, he's just a guy who you never really know what you're going to get. And, and, you know, I've been, I've been present in some of those, those scrums. I've never asked, uh, I think just one actually. And I, I didn't ask a question, um, but just, you know, with a guy like him, it just seems like anything can happen. And, you know, it's interesting, right? Because I think he's a real polarizing guy, but if you ask, you ask his players, um, there's a lot of respect for him and in, in, in how he approaches you know the team, how he approaches the game. You know he, you know the way the you know talking to a couple of guys, uh, you know before the game, you know uh, they talked about how he he's he's intense. You know he's aggressive, but he's honest. And I think in, you know whether it's John Tortorella or other coaches, when you talk to players across the league, whether it be on Philly or other where, other places, they just want honesty. And I think you know he epitomizes that um, for better or worse. Um, and so yeah, didn't get a chance to see to, to see some of the sound bites. But I can only imagine, uh, you know, after a tough game. Well, like let's that, but... just say it was short and sweet. We're going to play it right away. If you've got 90 seconds, hang around and uh, you'll get the uh, full torts experience after last night. Hammer, have a great time tonight. I've been really enjoying all of your coverage, continuing on this road trip. And uh, we'll see you back in the peg after Thursday's night in Music City. Yeah, thanks a lot, Hassan. You say 90 seconds? Maybe I could have made it in that case. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, appreciate you. Appreciate being on and uh, appreciate the... Uh, the viewers and the commenters and uh, you guys make the show. So see you next week. Take it easy, pal. Travel safe. There's Jeff Hamilton of the Winnipeg Free Press in Nashville with the Jets tomorrow night, 7 o'clock. One more time on the road before the team comes back. Thursday night for the Buffalo Sabres, who are taking on the Dallas Stars tonight. We'll get to the other games. Cool bet lines coming up. A little bit on the NFL. Um, but we are going to hear. I figured it was so short and entertaining 
that we'd hear what the Jets did to poor John Tortorella. We'll play that coming up in just a second. Uh, before we do that, though, I have to give a big shout-out and thanks to our friends at Princess Auto, proud sponsors of the Bombers, Gold Eyes, Manitoba's top curling teams, and Winnipeg Sports Talk. Princess Auto is where you'll find the best deals on the most unique assortment of tools and equipment around. Everything you need to complete the projects on your list or start something new is at Princess Auto. Two Winnipeg locations, Panet Road and Portage Avenue West. And you can always shop online 24-7, 365 at princessauto.com. Are you drinking more water in 2023? Hopefully you are. And if you're drinking more water, you may as well make it the best around. And that, of course, is Culligan. Culligan has been family-owned, serving Manitobans for over 65 years in business, and they've got everything you and your family will need. Water softeners, filters, bottled water coolers, whole home systems, and drinking water systems, just to name a few, not to mention citywide water delivery services and commercial and industrial water products and solutions. Whatever you need when it comes to water, Culligan is there for you. 1200 Sargent Avenue. You can give them a call at 204-694-5180 or check out all of their products and solutions online at drinkculligan.com. And a big shout out to our friends at Canadian Club. They're counting down the days till bomber season is back and we're enjoying those CC and ginger ales or Canadian Club at the Bomber Game at IG Field, of course, is the official sponsor of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. In the meantime, though, when you're at your local Manitoba Liquor Marts, Look for great January deals, including big discounts on Canadian Club 12-Year Reserve and the new Rifle Rye. Look for the displays at your local Manitoba Liquor Marts. And a big thanks to Canadian Club for their support of Winnipeg Sports Talk. All right, Remote, do we have this torts from last night? I figured that would be a wonderful way to finish off our conversations about the Jets-Flyers game before we focus in on Nashville tomorrow on the program. Yeah, focus on Nashville. We'll also hear about the Canucks. Before you do, I would just say, uh, I mean, over 400 people in chat. Uh, awesome to see everyone here on a Monday recapping the double victory weekend. Subscribe uh, button. Yeah, if you but if you're here, you're enjoying the show, yeah, hit the subscribe button, hit the thumbs up. Always try to get to 200 likes. And doing that just helps the channel grow and helps YouTube recommend our content uh, to more people. But I do have... This Tortorella clips. I cut it in, in two, huh? So Oh, okay. He, get, he gets a little I got the first thirty seconds and then the second thirty seconds. So <laughs> So this is it. Part one of Torts post game last night after the Jets beat his Philadelphia Flyers. John, after that start, how do you feel like your team responded to especially going down three nothing the first time that? It's self explanatory. Ask me a question you have an answer to. John, you come away from this game more frustrated with the, your inability to take advantage of the comeback or more enthused by the fact that you guys did come back? See, I don't think we played bad in the first period. We, we have two, two mistakes. Tipping goal is a tipping goal. We have two mistakes. It's in our net. I still think we played a good first period. All right, so uh, it started off not too badly but quite prickly and uh, let's just say he didn't get any rosier as it continues this is the second half of torts's very brief post game presser what did you see on the fourth goal that stands from i didn't you talked before the game about the felix needing one more save it was tonight an example of that you have the answer 
You're asking me questions you have answers to. John, why don't you take the fourth line for all tonight in terms of floor checking? What's that? What did the fourth line bring with their floor check? Ask me another question. What was your message to the team after the game? I don't talk to the team after the game. Did you like your first period despite falling down? We had chances. We had chances. They did. We had a major breakdown in front of our net. It's in our net. Tipping goal is a tipping goal. We had chances. We just didn't capitalize. What do you think Kevin Hayes' performance tonight? Hayes, he played well. All right. Self-explanatory, folks. It's self- Ask me a question you don't have the answer for. I mean, vintage torts last night. He's kind of right. They're like, like, the question is, uh, you you said your goalie needed one more save. Was tonight an example of that? And like, what what more does he really need to add to that? And what was the other one that he said? Yes. I guess he could have just said yeah. I guess so. But look, he does it in his own unique way. And um, I don't know. He didn't want what he's not. Didn't want to throw his goalie even more under the bus than the questions. Already did, right? <laughs> and what do you say? I thought, I thought their the... goalie played great in the second period. Yeah. I mean, the Jets had some real nice chances in that period. It didn't make it happen. Well, yeah, the fourth line four check. He's like, ask me another question. <laughs> didn't yeah. want to didn't <laughs> want to talk about it. Didn't did want to talk about it. Go there. Uh so there it is. There's a little bit of John Tortorella. Now, many of you are talking about the infamous video that came out. It has to be Hamilton, and I'm almost positive it is. Yes. Uh regarding Canada's suggestions on how many drinks one is allowed to have during the week. We will play that before the end of the program and get some good laughs out of that. But first off, there was not a lot of laughing out on the West Coast. The way things finished up with Bruce Boudreaux as head coach of the Vancouver Canucks will be remembered for a while, both on how badly it was mishandled by Canucks management and how it rallied the fans around Bruce Boudreaux, who had to go out and coach a couple more games until... They officially announced Rick Tockett as the head coach. It has really been the biggest story in the hockey world for the last number of days. It all came to an end yesterday as the Canucks fired Boudreaux, hired Rick Tockett, and of course planned their presser right in the middle of the uh, AFC game between the Bills and the Cincinnati Bengals to try to get this done before they got out to work on a Monday morning. Needless to say, it is the story in hockey and lots of fallout. And to get to all of that, let's head out west to Vancouver and hook up with our pal Matt Sakaris of Sakaris and Price. Matt, great to see you. Uh, anything go on in Vancouver? Yeah. Just a real quiet weekend for you guys. Very quiet weekend. Hung out on the couch watching NFL playoffs. Uh, <laughs> no, Andrew, um, we're uh, we're asking on our poll question today if this is the lowest point in Canucks history. It is certainly a chapter in infamy. For this franchise uh, right now, it's certainly it's on the podium. I mean, Stanley Cup riots, the Keenan Messier era. So, you know, we've had some low points with this franchise in the past. And, and this one ranks right up there with them. Well, the bar has been set pretty high. So, I mean, the fact that we're putting talking about this in uh, that company um, almost says it all. Matt, teams make coaching changes all the time. How in the world could this one have been handled as poorly? And why in the world did it go down the way that it did? Uh, that, that is the great unanswered question, Andrew, that I don't yet have a good answer to. And I'm not sure Jim Rutherford, a 30-year veteran of managing and Hockey Hall of Fame, yeah. answered it 
yesterday. Um, this went beyond clunky. This was cruel. Uh, this was humiliating. Um, this one was not professional caliber. I mean, you had Rick hire you had Rick Tockett hired on Hockey Night in Canada last Saturday. You had Rick Tockett in the TNT panel joking about it like it was an open secret on Wednesday. And then, of course, you had Bruce Boudreau in tears on the bench Saturday as the crowd was serenading him with Bruce. There it is. I mean, he was making self-deprecating jokes all weekend about, oh, by the way, I'm not fired yet, and I'll see you tomorrow, I hope. And, you know, it almost never goes down this way. It is almost never um, this much of an open book. So um, they certainly lack tack. Act, you can certainly blame them for bad process. And, of course, that has been a, a trademark of the Vancouver Canucks going back to last year when the owner went out and hired Bruce Boudreaux before he hired Jim Rutherford and Patrick Alvin. And, uh, you know, yesterday the press conference started okay with Jim Rutherford apologizing personally to Bruce and then apologizing to, quote, anyone he has offended. And you know it's never going well when that phrase gets dropped. <laughs> Um, but then he got defiant and then he wanted to fight back and talk about how this was normal and talk about how we weren't going to um, jump to speculation. He kept calling it speculation, but of course it's exactly what played out. So it turns out to be fact, you know, like when the speculation is spot on, it is no longer speculation. It, it is actually reality uh, and fact. So yeah, the Vancouver Canucks have a whole lot of making up to do with their fans. Uh, needless to say, many of them are furious because even if Bruce wasn't a popular figure, this is just not the way you treat people. And the fact that Bruce is a popular figure and does have that, you know, huggable grandfather persona, I think it rubs so many the wrong way. And I could only imagine having to answer the phones and emails at Canucks Sports and Entertainment over the weekend and into today. Uh, Matt, uh, anyone with an ounce of uh, heart would have seen the way that this went and realized that it was absolutely reprehensible. And it would have been the same for anyone in that situation being left to hang out to dry yeah. because of the connection that Bruce has had with fans and, you know, his incredible hockey resume. I, I think it resonated even more. But, I mean, you were in the market. I mean, tell us about – we saw some glimpses of it at the games. I mean, what – did this do to the fan base and how much worse did this make it with their customers? Yeah. Well, I think it galvanized the fan base in opposition to the owner, Francesco Aquilini. Uh, it has been a very dark decade of hockey here in Vancouver. Slowly, but surely, I think the fan base has understood that, you know, the different business chiefs that have come through here, the different heads of hockey operations, the different head coaches are all symptomatic of what the root problem is. Uh, and that is the owner. Uh, that is an interventionist owner. That is an owner who refuses to go about this with a proper patient rebuild. Uh, my colleague here in the market, Thomas Drance of The Athletic, has a great line. He says, you know, they, they think they can micro, microwave a Michelin star meal. Um, and it just doesn't work that way in, in the National Hockey League, uh, in the salary cap. Um, so they've had a, uh, a dreadful roster with ter terribly constructed with all sorts of awful immovable contracts for a number of years. And I, I think what this weekend did was make everybody realize that, you know, whether it's Jim Rutherford or Trevor Linden or Jim Benning, whether it's Bruce Boudreaux or Travis Green or Willie Desjardins, that everybody who works in hockey operations is subject to the same pressures 
and and, and uh, meddling from above, and that the Canucks are never going to get ahead, um, so long as this ownership group continues to quote unquote lead, as it has for the last decade. Matt, yesterday the uh, the announcement in the introductory press conference was conveniently scheduled right as the Bills and Bengals kicked off in one of the most anticipated football games of the year. Um, so I didn't see it. I've obviously seen a few clips. I mean, wh- what overall was was that like? And, and I guess the reason why I bring this up is that Rick Tockett's the new guy. Yeah. He is sort of it, it somehow been involved in all of that. And listen, I saw what you mentioned on the TNT, which was, I mean, listen, it felt a little greasy, I think, to everyone watching it. But um. What is everything that has preceded Rick Tockett done to his position and yeah. the challenge he has with the fan base? Well, I mean, that's the other thing is, you know, not only did you do Bruce wrong, but you've done your incoming head coach wrong. You've set him up to be the bad guy here. And, you know, really, we, we had that debate yesterday. There are a, a lot of fans for whom Tockett is fruit from the poisonous tree and they're not going to give him an opportunity. There are others who are saying he absolutely deserves a clean slate here to see what he is capable of. Uh, I thought Tockett did reasonably well yesterday. Um, I think he took some of the questions head on. I think in other times he could have been a little bit more uh, expansive. Uh, But for the most part, I think he's a pretty good communicator. And uh, I think that shone through yesterday. Now, he's got a lot of work to do because he not only has to win games here, um, but he also, and this has been a trademark of the Vancouver Canucks, is... You know, typically the hockey operations people haven't talked as much. They have not had a business leader who has felt comfortable in front of the cameras uh, for many years now. Like, you don't actually hear from them on the business side of things. You don't actually hear from them uh, from the ownership group. And so oftentimes the head coach has been forced to be the chief communicator for the club. And in a lot of cases, a shield for all the issues that are going on with the club. So he's going to be tested here. Um, and of course, he has a poorly constructed roster that is likely to lose its captain in Bo Horvat by the trade deadline. So, you know, uh, Rick Tockett talked yesterday about basically baby steps that he wants to see guys improve over the course of the year. They want to get their young players back up here and contributing a little bit more. And then we'll see, of course, next year when he gets the, the fresh slate of training camp, what uh, what kind of effect he can have on the wins and losses. Matt, I don't know. You could airdrop Scotty Bowman on that bench, and I don't think this team is going to be contending for a playoff spot. So given all of that, this is more a management job. Um, Like, we'll see what Rick Tockett does, and, you know, hopefully there will be some individual improvement on players. But the questions are, of course, about Alvin and Rutherford and where they go from here. You mentioned Bo Horvat. I mean, what do you think the market will be like for Bo? What will they want for him? And how many other Canucks might no longer be wearing that jersey after the deadline? Yeah, I think... It sounds like they want three pieces for Bo Horvat, uh, including a prospect. But that that's the other thing. I mean, Rutherford last Monday talked about how they're looking for NHL players 26 years old and younger and, and less so draft picks. And, you know, <laughs> everyone in this market is like, why are they so allergic to draft picks? Um, but th- there it is. Uh, so three pieces for Horvat. I think you see Luke Shen traded. He's a, you know, a steady right shot defenseman on a very easy contract to, to uh, integrate into uh, into your salary structure. So all the teams are capped tight even, I think, and afford Luke Shen. The bigger question is about Andre Kuzmenko, this Russian rookie who has had a fabulous first year, uh, has been a really nice compliment to their power play, to Elias Pettersson, 
Um, he's on a cheap contract too, playing at nearly a point per game. So the um, theory is that you can get a pretty good return for him. Although, you know, he's sort of the apple in their eye because he chose the Vancouver Canucks of 32 suitors last last year. So they sound like they're going to re-sign him and commit even more money to wingers. And uh, we often uh, use the Paul Maurice line back when he was coaching the Jets, Andrew, about, hey, you know, no offense to wingers, but you don't win with them in the NHL. You win with centers and you win with defensemen. And that is something that the Vancouver Canucks, a lesson that, you know, Paul Maurice articulated. How many years ago was that? Six, seven years ago? And the Canucks are still learning it. Um, And then just, you know, the other thing, Andrew, when you talk about uh, Alvin and Rutherford and what they have to prove, like they moved heaven and earth. They dragged the club, they dragged the brand, they dragged their own personal reputations to bring Rick Tockett in now when the playoffs are already lost this year. So, you know, they have put themselves out there and made a big, big gamble on Rick Tockett and are now likely to neuter the roster that uh, he was handed. It is, uh, boy, the word process keeps coming up here. Uh, that the Vancouver Canucks just do things ass backwards because, you know, I, I understand you want to get talking in here now instilling his culture. I understand you want to see some improvement from your young players and what's left of the season. And I, I understand you want to get Rick familiar with these young players um, before next season, give him more chance to, you know, install his, his system and his structure. But uh, they paid a mighty price to have that luxury here. And many are asking whether it's worth it. Matt, I remember you and Blake doing an emergency Twitter spaces late on a Friday heading into a long weekend after JT Miller's eight-year extension was announced. This contract has not kicked in until the summer, and I believe he actually can still be traded up until that point. Yeah. Um, How miserable of a season has it been for JT Miller, and where do things stand around that? I mean, is is there even a possibility that they might be able to get a mulligan, if you will, and move that deal? They have showed no inclination towards that. Uh, it's a seven-year deal, not an eight. They didn't give him the full max oh. term, Andrew. Come on now. He's only a seven-year guy, not an eight-year. Excuse me. At eight million per. So yeah. uh, you're right. It hasn't kicked in this uh, until next year, which means his trade protection doesn't kick in until next year. He's playing on five and a quarter this year. They could theoretically move him by the deadline, but uh, – you know, Rutherford came out last Monday and he said, oh, no, 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 no. You have to resign some of those players to your core players. And, uh, you know, as the cap goes up in future years, that that contract won't be as onerous, which it, which is true. I mean, I suspect it will still be problematic next year. And, of course, we'll see how the player and the contract age. Um, in a word, uh, miserable. He uh, He certainly produced his points. It's been at the expense of the defensive side of the puck despite his proclamations in training camp that he wasn't concerned about matching last year's 99-point effort. He was more concerned about being a better defensive player. Um, Rutherford, Alvin, Boudreaux all called him a centerman, and, well, he's he's failed out of uh, at center. They've moved him back to the wing where there are fewer defensive responsibilities. Um, he has been he has come under the ire of Canuck Nation for all the giveaways, all the turnovers, all the lackluster back-checking. And so you have a spotlight on a guy who seems to be chasing his own points, but uh, costing the team defensively, having temper tantrums on the bench, on the ice, in the locker room. 
And uh, a big, big part of Rick Tockett's job is going to be getting JT into a better mental space, getting a better attitude out of him, and getting better puck management. He talked about game management yesterday, Adam Miller, because he plays a whole lot. And, you know, that's the other thing. He's probably going to play less here. Tockett made it clear that 23, 24 minutes a night for forwards is too much and that he wants to spread out some of the ice time. Responsibility. You know, just before we go, Matt, um, you know, I, we heard Tyler Myers con- comments uh, heading into the weekend, and these players said uh, they've never yeah. been around anything like this before. How much damage do you think is being done within the organization for the guys that they do want to keep around long term? A player yeah. like Elias Pedersen. I mean, looking ahead, going, is this, uh, you m- might love the city and you might love your teammates, but I can't imagine this is doing a lot for them heading into the future for the guys that they need to be a part yeah. of this. Yeah, and of course, there'll be another traumatic turn here when their captain, Bo Horvat, uh, is traded. You know, that's the other thing, Andrews. You you went into this season with your coach and your captain as lame ducks. You know, you did not empower either pillar of leadership in the dressing room, either the head coach or the captain with a contract extension, and, 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 you know, led to all the speculation of whether they'll be back. We now know the coach won't be back, and it's all but certain that the, the captain won't be back. Either, but you're quite right. Elias Pettersson, uh, in his last contract negotiation, said, "I want to play for a perennial winner. I want to play for someone that has a chance to compete for a Stanley Cup year in and year out." Um, needless to say, they haven't produced that for him in the two years since he's eligible to sign an extension as a restricted free agent this summer. And that is the big concern here, that you're going to alienate Elias and that as soon as this summer, something might come to a head or next summer. And that Quinn Hughes, your great defenseman. I mean, you can already argue, Andrew, that Quinn Hughes is the best defenseman in the 53-year history of the Vancouver Canucks. This is not a franchise like Winnipeg that has had its fair share of, of terrific defensemen over the years. And so he's locked up long-term, but is he going to want to stick around for all this? Is he going to ask for a trade uh, at at some point? So, yeah, there's a very high-stakes game that is going to be played out here over the next season and a half with Elias Pettersson and with Quinn Hughes and with the young guys that they do want to keep. Well, on a positive note, you and Blake will have lots to talk about today and every day for the foreseeable future on Sakaris and Price, Matt. Yeah, I, I mean, uh, I, you know, I wish we could go back to the days where we're talking about a competitive hockey club uh, prepping for a deadline and a stretch drive. But uh, alas, that won't be the case again this year, Andrew. The good news is Blake and I have long experience uh, in covering a death march. And, and we do mean March, the month of March. Uh, we started our show more than 11 years ago. And uh, we got, um, you know, really the uh, tail end of the last great Canucks teams. And, and since then, it's... It's been a circus. Don't know what else to say. Matt, thanks so much for the time. Uh, we'll be watching from uh, the middle of the country, and hopefully we can do, do this again soon. All the best to Blake, and uh, thanks for your time. Anytime, Andrew. Thanks for calling. Appreciate it, fellas. All right, great stuff with Sakaris. Um, folks, we're going to get to the cool bet lines in just a second, and I want to hear what you think about uh, a potential Super Bowl matchup. Just before we do that, Big shout out to our friends Nick and Nikki and Nick and Nikki DQ for their great support of Winnipeg Sports Talk. Four locations there to serve you. The DQ in Niverville, DQ Northgate, DQ Polo Park, and DQ St. Anne's waiting for you. 
will be all their amazing blizzard treats, delicious burgers. The new stack burgers that they came out with in the summer are absolutely phenomenal. Don't sleep on them any longer. And other great treats, including grilled chicken nuggets and their honey barbecue chicken fingers. And, of course, if you need a cake, ice cream cake or blizzard cake for an upcoming party, Nick and Nikki will take care of you. Hit them up on Instagram if you want a custom cake at DQ Manitoba. Let them know what you're looking for. They'll get it done quick and easy for a fast pickup at any of the four Nick and Nikki DQs. And, uh, yes, had a couple delicious little brown jugs yesterday afternoon watching the games. Have you tried the new Good Times Variety Pack from Little Brown Jug containing four four all-new beers, including a stout, Rye Extra Special Bitter, Kolsch, and West Coast IPA. If you haven't, get on it. Find it at Little Brown Jug, Liquor Marts, or anywhere that sells good beer. And don't forget about the new Bright Water, Winnipeg's only local sparkling water made with high-quality, all-natural extracts and filtered, dechlorinated water. Bright Water is zero-proof, zero-sweetener, and zero-calorie so you can consume consciously, order from littlebrownjug.ca or bright, B-R-I-T-E hyphen water.com. All right, we're going to get to the cool bet lines here in a minute, and then we'll play this video that everyone's been talking about over the course of the weekend. Uh, but let's do a quick why not question of the day for our friends at Not Autocorp down at Waverly and McGilvery. Here's the question, folks. Who is your pick for the Super Bowl right now? Four great teams remaining. We've got the Niners and the Eagles going at it early on Sunday at the Lincoln Philly to represent the NFC. And then Arrowhead Stadium, 530 Chiefs, Bengals. Chiefs get another crack at Joe Burrow in the big game. The prayer circles for Patrick Mahomes in Kansas City for his ankle are in full effect right now. And, uh, It is quite amazing. We'll get to the lines in a second, but part of the reason why this question, I think, is going to be so... You'll have people on all sides is how close the odds are right now. Heading over to CoolBet, here are the numbers for the Super Bowl winner right now, and it is a dead heat. The Philadelphia Eagles, plus 250. The Kansas City Chiefs, plus 250. The Cincinnati Bengals, plus 300. And the San Francisco 49ers, plus 330. Five, I can never remember a Final Four that was so close between all of the remaining teams. And that is part of the reason why we've got such tight lines for these championship games on the weekend, both within three points. The Eagles have opened as two-and-a-half-point favorites at home against the San Francisco 49ers. And I guess that essentially says that on a neutral field, usually they give three points for the home team. The Niners would be an ever so slight favorite on a neutral field. And guess what? The uh, Bengals and Chiefs is basically a straight up pick them right now. The Bengals, who were one and a half point underdogs yesterday, looking now, the Bengals are a half point favorite right now at minus 109. The money line essentially is a pick them. Minus 105 for the Bengals and minus 111 for the Chiefs. Although that was the case earlier, the point spread line has moved. The money line hasn't. I wouldn't at all be surprised if the Bengals weren't the favorite by the time we kick off at Arrowhead Stadium on Sunday afternoon. Yes, I'm going to be there. I cannot wait. I'm counting down the hours until leaving for KC for that game. Uh, But yeah, 
Let's see what everyone thinks. We've got Bengals, Eagles, 49ers, and Chiefs. Oh, and everyone's sleeping on the Chiefs, and everyone loves Joe Burrow and the Bengals right now. Winnipeg, Walter, you can only vote once. By the way, congratulations, Walter. I know you must be very fired up. Uh, we've got Bengals at 49%, Chiefs at 13%, Niners at 19%, Eagles at 19 Um, was a pretty impressive uh, performance by Joe Burrow and the Bengals yesterday in Buffalo, Remo. That game really wasn't close, and I don't think a lot of people thought that would be the case, regardless of who won the game. Yeah, I mean, what a great game. What a picturesque atmosphere, Huss, with uh, the snow falling uh, in Buffalo. And we talked about it all week, Huss. A lot of people forget the Bengals. They were AFC champions last year. And, you know, when going into Buffalo, I think everyone thought Buffalo had a lot of momentum going in, but it was the Bengals who had the, you know, the defense putting pressure on Josh Allen. And, I mean, Joe Burrow, this guy's a big-game quarterback. He's got uh, big-game receivers as well, Jamar Chase. I thought that was a catch, by the way, the one that was overturned. Um, the Jamar Chase? Yeah, I thought that was overturned. I had him in, in DraftKings, so I'm for sure biased. <laughs> but, um, yeah, but, yeah, I mean, this guy's a... a Great quarterback, and um, that should be an awesome quarterback matchup. Hopefully Mahomes is healthy, so you see these guys at their best. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, I don't know whether it'll be fully 100%, but if he can get close to that, uh, listen, if he's not, it is going to be very, very difficult. They haven't beaten Joe Burrow yet um, fully healthy. So, you know, if Mahomes is really limited, it certainly is going to challenge. And by the way, shout out to Chad Henney. I mean, that might be the craziest thing of that entire weekend of football that when Mahomes had to leave the game, Chad Haney came in, starting a drive on the two-yard line and went all the way down. I, I mean, tons of credit needs to go to Eric Bieniemy and Andy Reid for the way they play called that. And Isaiah Pacheco had a couple big, big runs on that drive to survive into the second half when Mahomes came back out, but he was still obviously hampered. That, hampered. that ankle was taped up, but crazy. Maybe the most disappointing part of the football weekend certainly was for me because I was on the Giants and the points was the complete no-show or obliteration by New York from the Philadelphia Eagles. And I am very guilty of this. I have not given the Eagles the credit that they deserved all season long. I thought they played a really easy schedule. I thought, you know, we'll see what happens in those final three weeks. Jalen Hurts uh, uh, was injured. He came out the minute he hit Devontae Smith on that 50-yarder in the first uh, first possession. I'm like, uh-oh, okay, this is the Eagles team. And Danny Dimes in the offense, Brian Dable did such a great job all year. They had absolutely no answers for that Eagles D on Saturday night. I swear, Huss, the Eagles have not had to play. They have not been pushed for a full 60 minutes all season. Every single game, they're up by a ton at the half. You know, they're throwing in... You know, Kenny Gainwell at the end, and they're resting their guys. It's been like that every week. They're all blowouts, absolutely uh, incredible season. So they are favored at home against the 49ers, and uh, they've been really strong this year. And hard to, I think, I don't know, are they the favorite? Let's see the future. Would they be the favorite for everyone? Yeah, well, you know, it's tied. It's tied. Oh, it's tied. Chief, wow. Chiefs in Philly at plus 250, Bengals at plus 300, and the Niners at plus 335. So, um, I've never seen it that close before. It's going to be three great games. And shout out to the 14% of you that are still riding with the Chiefs, everyone else all over the Bengals. Everyone, and, uh, it's basically a dead heat, though, between the Eagles and the 49ers. Um, 
anyways, bottom line is I can't wait to see these games. It will be a heck of a Sunday. And uh, we'll look forward to hopefully coming back with a big smile oh. on my face for the show okay. afterwards. Earl says, we didn't even touch on this. How about the Cowboys last play? <laughs> Listen, Mike like, McCarthy. You thought Mike McCarthy had some big brain special plan for that last play? No, it was just an unbelievable exclamation point for the San Francisco defense. They make the pass. They sort of think they're going to get going with a bunch of laterals. Basically tackled before he even caught the ball. Face in the ground. Thank you very much. Niners booked the ticket to Philly to move on. Dak Prescott had a rough game. A couple of those picks really turned the game because to the Dallas defense's credit, they held the Niners in check quite a bit. Um, but it was so bad that your guy Skip Bayless Remo was uh, throwing his Dak Prescott jersey in the garbage on My social guy. media. First of all, that like you're watching them set up for this final play, and I know the chances of scoring any touchdown from there are slim. But like, well, I don't know what they thought was going to happen with Zeke Elliott <laughs> like snapping the ball by himself. Like, obviously, the guy just ran him over. It made made no sense. Like, what were and a lot of people saying like that was the highlight of the game. Like, you want to know the thought process. You put that on an NFL uh, field. The Tony Pollard injury uh, really, really hurt them in that game. That was a tough one. And Skip, yeah, he's not my guy, but he did throw out his <laughs> Dak Prescott jersey in a choreographed video after the game. So uh, I'm not sure what they do to move forward. Has uh, they change a coach? They change a quarterback? Um, Dallas, they haven't haven't been back to an NFC Championship in a long time. No, uh, they did have a nice season, though. Won a playoff game. I guess that's a step forward for the Dallas Cowboys, but it is on to next year for America's team. Uh, quickly, on the cool bet lines, let's see what's going on tonight in the National Hockey yeah, League. Big game. Paul Maurice's Panthers in New York to take on the Rangers. That is a big one. Panthers plus 112. Rangers minus 131. Islanders in Toronto to take on the Leafs. Leafs minus 231 favorites. Islanders plus 190. Buffalo and Dallas. Man, we moved some lines today on the lock shop. I gave out the over on that game at six and a half at minus 120. It's now minus 136. Dallas minus 173 favorite at home. Buffalo plus 146. Nice to see Buffalo get a win against Dallas. Maybe do the Jets a little favor. Of course, the Sabres are here on Thursday. I'm really looking forward to that game, seeing Tage Thompson and uh, what Buffalo's got cooking. Final game tonight. The return of Johnny Hockey to Calgary Remo. Columbus at the Flames. Calgary, a minus 355 favorite. Columbus plus 285. And let's just see what a Johnny goal would pay. Uh, Johnny Hockey to score plus 260 in tonight's game if you like those narratives. Oh, that's not bad. Um, I don't know if you saw what happened at the morning skate. Uh, Johnny Gaudreau goes out, you know, takes the puck, and his teammates start booing him, getting him ready for what's going to happen tonight <laughs> from the Calgary fans. <laughs> uh, yeah, that seems like kind of um, like decent odds for him to score us in this return. They're kind of teasing so. you to do that. Calgary hasn't been very good. Um, they're, I think last time I checked, they're out of a playoff spot. And this Jonathan Huberto, like he hasn't really uh, got it going. They're, I think they got a bit of a goaltending controversy where Markstrom hasn't played like he did last year. And they're going to Dan Vladar. So I don't know what Calgary's going to do, but they are, they're there fifth. They're behind Edmonton, who's on a heater. 
Six yeah, they're out of the playoffs. They're tied with Cal- they're tied with Colorado mm-hmm. for the eighth spot with 53 points. However, Colorado has two games in hand right now. Um, so, yeah, big game and a big two points for the Calgary Flames. All those odds, uh, as well as our picks for the Lock Shop today up at, uh, at the Lock Shop YouTube channel. In fact, I saw we had a bunch of new subs on the weekend. I'm going to put this in the chat right now. If you haven't already, get on over to the Lock Shop um, YouTube channel. I just popped that in. Give us a sub and then retweet our uh, our tweet at LockShopBets. And when we get to 1,000 uh, subscribers, we're giving away $1,000 cash. So very simple. Just sub and give us a retweet and you'll be in the mix for a G-note that's burning a hole in Dusty's pocket. If you do want to maybe lay a little scratch on the games tonight, I uh, gave out a couple tennis picks as well in the Lock Shop today. Do it at CoolBet, and if you haven't played there before, use the promo code WST for a 100% bonus on your first deposit up to 200 bucks. All right, great show today. Everyone in a good mood. Double victory Monday for the Winnipeg Jets on the weekend. But, Remo, I don't know if I have laughed as hard from a television streeter interview maybe ever than what came out of Steeltown, Canada Hamilton, Ontario, on the weekend. And uh, let's just give credit to who this was. This was Matt Ingram from CHCH News, who did an interview outside of the a beer store in Hamilton, asking people how they felt about apparently some new guidelines or something from Health Canada that people should limit themselves to two drinks a week. This was a bit of an eye-opener for many people myself included, uh, but maybe no more, none more than the individual who caught up with Matt outside the beer store in Hamilton. If you have not seen it, prepare to laugh. This is how it sounded. What did you buy today? I bought uh, six Bush Light, six Bud Light, and I love them. Tall boys. Tall boys. Uh, how much would you drink a day? Well, what day? Regular day. I don't know. Maybe a couple beers. Depends. Weekends, maybe, you know, five beer. Two drinks a week. What do you think of that? Well, that's just not uh, feasible, not in this country. Well, come on, man. Two drinks a week. What's that going to do for you? I mean, that doesn't even get you through a day. A reasonable amount. If you're, I mean, if you're at home, you should be able to have like uh, four beer. That's just, uh, that ain't, that's just two more. I mean, I'll have six. But four is a fair number. But there shouldn't even be guidelines anyway. Why are you going to tell me how much I can drink at home? Well, I guess the idea is, would you be concerned that you're at a higher health risk if you're drinking too? No. That's the, the main point here is, why are they telling me what I can drink at home? What, can I have uh, two liters of pop? Can I have two liters of pop? Well, what's more healthy, four beers or two liters of Coca-Cola? Do the math. So I'm guessing that this information about the new guidelines isn't going to change your mind. It's heartbreaking, and I can't even believe it. Rock and roll! Oh, wait a minute. You can't handle the tooth. A star is born. You can't handle the tooth guy. I believe he's on Twitter as two liters of pop guy. Uh, And Remo, this absolutely lit the internet on fire for obvious reasons. That is the most Hamilton guy I've ever seen in my life. If you literally put took AI and said, create a Hamiltonian outside of a beer store, it is that guy. And uh, my God, the last we had from that over the course of the weekend. Yeah, you do the math, Hustler. 
on uh, what if two liters of pop is what the guidelines but there's a lot to take in there all Can I, I have knew... two liters of pop four beers two liters of pop what's better do the math yeah <laughs> all i knew is that i wanted to party with that guy after watching that uh what an incredible minute 10 of news coverage um yeah why should they tell us what we can drink hustler it should be up to us they can't they can't control us no you know what listen had enough of uh, overreaching government bureaucracy. Get your hands off my little brown jug. Thank you very much. Or whatever your beer of choice is. Anyways, I know the Hamilton Tiger Cats have already said, apparently this guy, there's a video, if you find his Twitter, uh, where he sang some song, was not the national anthem, in some sort of a, a quest to sing the national anthem at a Ticats game. Uh, but he will be there, and we might have to make our WST roadie out to the hammer to see the Bombers and Ticats next summer just so we can have a couple beers with uh, two liters of pop guy. Anyways, um, that's all over the internet. Check it out. Send it to your friends if you haven't seen it already. I know Rick Ralph, our old pal Rick, who's I believe on Twitter now at Rick Ralph NS. Um, has it up there if you missed it or you want to send it to somebody. Uh, there it is. Great show today. Great weekend. Tomorrow, we'll be getting ready for the Jets and the Nashville Predators. We'll have a little bit more on the NFL weekend and a look ahead to the conference championship games and obviously the latest in and around the National Hockey League, the latest on the moose, the ice. Maybe you have to start talking sea bears at some point soon with somebody from the organization. Anyways, there's lots going on right now, but the big focus is on the Jets as they now sit second overall in the NHL with 31 wins, tied for first in the Central Division and um, having a heck of a season and really got things straightened out on this road trip that didn't start out very well in Montreal and Toronto. Tomorrow, Music City will be all over it. To get you ready for puck drop, make sure to join us tomorrow, 1 o'clock p.m. here on Winnipeg Sports Talk. Thanks to everyone that gave a thumbs up. If you haven't already, hit that thumbs up and make sure you've already subscribed to the YouTube channel. And as I mentioned, one more time, Lock Shop link right there in the chat. Head on over and subscribe to the Lock Shop YouTube as well. And you can see the picks for today for myself and Nielsen coming out of the weekend. Great show. Thanks to Michael Remus for making it all happen. And thanks to everyone that jumped in. We'll see you tomorrow, 1 o'clock. Always thanks to the sponsors that make this show happen. Have a great Monday evening, folks. Figure out what you're going to do now that Monday Night Football is over. And we'll see you tomorrow at 1 here on WST. Oh, my God. Shut it down! Let's go home! Thanks for tuning in to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Make sure to subscribe on YouTube and your favorite podcast feed at winnipegsportstalk.com.